Broadcasting from the world-famous Haunted Winery here in Warren, Michigan, this is Ghostly Talk on January 25th, 2009. Ghostly Talk is independently produced every Sunday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to converse about all things paranormal. For more info, go to www.ghostlytalk.com. It's been one month since uh, Christmas. It'll be 11 months to go. But tonight... Shut up! What? You, you've already human, started, Doug, haven't you? Doug, the human calendar is on here. <laughs> tonight, we're discussing the ghosts of Fort Mifflin with Tony Saletti. And then later tonight, we'll be talking about the upcoming Cashless Society with Michael Trudeau. Than Doug with ease. Yeah, that's true. I do not multitask one iota. He, he can't. It's can, impossible. I can multitask one thing at a time. That's not multitasking. Oh, oh. Well, I, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you do it with the best that's of them. That's all I claim. I can multitask up to one thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get the phone line to work here and, uh, I don't know if it's working or not. Oh, I think it's working. I, I, we'll it's loading out. and doing whatever it does. Uh, I don't know. Slowly. and It's probably frozen. Yeah. We had a couple days. I, I know we talked about weather last week, right? Uh-huh. But we have to talk about it one more time. Just real quick. Just real, real, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's too cold here in Michigan. <laughs> we had two 30-degree days, and it was looking up. Well, even this way, even uh, even I'm starting to get annoyed with it, and I tend to lean more towards the colder weather. Yeah, uh, the, I lean more toward the this weather. Florida weather. This is ridiculous. Yeah. There's like so much snow out. You can't. There's nowhere to park at. There's nowhere to do anything. <laughs> there's snow everywhere. It's ridiculous, I, man. Mo- huge mounds of snow. How do people further north than 
us deal with it. That's they live question. in cabins and they don't come out. <laughs> they don't own automobiles. They just kind of tromp around the snow with their dogs and stuff, ah. and they kill stuff when they to eat, and that's it. Ah. Uh, they don't have you know a coffee shop on every corner or you know a pizza place on every corner they can drive to and get food. They just kind of live in the woods, I guess, and they kill things and let them freeze, and then they cook them again, and then they let them freeze again. I, I don't know. So, so like Yukon Bob or something is. I, mean, I don't want to quick to judge <laughs> like doug just did well, yeah <laughs> nothing doug i just named somebody you're, an, you're, you're an angel <laughs> i just i just shot myself a moose hey eh? that's judging now. that's judging right that's there. judging see you later uh, no so the snow wow. sucks i agree this snow what? relax what <laughs> i want to say shots for i'm this not snow. saying anything no uh we love our canadian friends we're well, dumping trash on our state, though. I'm tired of that. I'm sick of that. You need to stop doing that. Get, get with your administrators over there and, you know, keep your own trash. I don't want that trash. Aside from that, though, yeah, the weather sucks. I'm tired <laughs> of it. I'm sick of it, too, and it's got to it's end. The, the temperature is gradually going up. We're up to, like, you know, on an average during the day now, we're up to about 10 to 12 degrees. Yes. That's we're a not, lot better than negative four. We're not going to get above 26 all week. Really? Just so you know. Oh, and for the record, I know the bearer of bad I know news. this will make Doug so happy because this is how I go by how much snow we've gotten. Yeah. I was watching the news the other day, and this is the measurement out at Metro, so it may not apply to you two as much, but yeah, it, pl- right, it yeah. applies to me a lot. Right. So far at Metro, they've gotten over 46 inches of snow this winter. Wow. Is that a new record? Is it- I They didn't say if it was a record or not, but that's... Enough for me <laughs> for like three winters. Well, so. it's 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 getting out of hand. I'm tired of it. We need to do something about the snow here. This is global. Well, I warming. thought there was this global warming thing I happening. Know, what the hell is going Welcome on? Welcome to here? global warming. Why don't, why don't they send a little bit over our way? We welcome it here in Michigan, and the rest of the country's like, no, not like global warming. Green car, green car, green car. Doug, didn't but, you and I have this discussion while smoking last yeah. week? <laughs> yeah, we're like, it, where is it? It didn't come out quite as. I mean, nice we're doing our part here. No, because it was like negative four last <laughs> week. <laughs> and I was, I was tearing off on a rant on your porch. As smoking. you puff on the palm oil, you say, "I'm doing my part." Yeah, trying to help. You know, I am emitting greenhouse gases as we. Speak. Why can't we get some heat down here? What the <laughs> hell's going negative on? Negative four, and I'm sick of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I can't agree more oh. than that. It, it, the weather sucks. I mean, the only thing I do enjoy about the wintertime like this is it does make your house a lot more cozy and really, like, worth the money you paid for it. Yeah, yeah it makes you want to be a hermit. It's like, exactly, and that's beautiful. I, think I was that, a hermit yeah. yesterday. I think that's the only time. It's like, well, this investment I made into this place, it's paying off now because I'm not dying. This is right, great. Right. You know, so it does, you're, you're not exposed to the elements. Yeah, it does make you appreciate, you know, the things that you do have as far as a shelter and, and heat and all that and light and all that neat stuff. So that's the only plus of that. Other than that, it just sucks. I'm tired of it. So I agree with you on that 100%. Excellent. So I, ha- but I had to bring that up. I know, I know we'd already talked about it, but yeah. Wow. Uh, you can't do anything. Yeah. Well, you can. You just risk freezing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was th- I was taking a sip of coffee. What's your excuse? I was doing one other thing, and then <laughs> summer outdoor activities are completely out the window. 
If you didn't listen to our show last week with Dave Brocky, it was pretty chaotic. It was pretty yeah. hilarious. It was awesome. Um, we had a great time. Definitely check that out. He he talks about some things that I think should be talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. from an objective viewpoint. And I you know we want to thank Dave again. He's a really good friend of the show, and he he's a busy guy. Oh yeah, he's a very very busy guy. Even when he's not working with Guar. Um, and with Slave Pit, um, he is just, you know, he's out doing stuff. I mean, for example, he had a weekend off and look where he was at, Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, he's down there hanging out and he took enough time, took an hour out of his schedule to come hang out with us. So that was really cool. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, interesting show we have planned for tonight, actually. Uh, well, you get to listen to us blabber for the next hour, which that's going to send everybody out of the chat room probably. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to be talking to, uh, Tony Saletti, uh, about Fort Mifflin. And I actually talked to him earlier. There's been a buzz about this going on around right now that there are these historic sites mm-hmm. uh uh for you know fort mifflin, mifflin, mifflin? fort mifflin we're just going to change the name of it now fort mm-hmm. mifflin uh specifically um they're having some problems with these things and, and there's people trying to step in wanting to take this property and basically bulldoze these sites um, and Fort Mifflin's up in the middle of this. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that with Tony tonight. But it's something I've been seeing it, kind of bouncing around. You know, the the times I drop on the you know Satan's website, I do see these bulletins of people going save Fort Mifflin. You know, mm-hmm. and there is a site you can go to called SaveFortMifflin.com. As a matter of fact, uh, we're gonna be talking to him about that. But it's something going on. You know, and. You know, the main reason I think, a lot, you know, what people are going to say, because this is the answer to every question, you know, any type of hardship we have right now, it's always going to be blaming on the economy. <laughs> right? The economy is at fault right now. Nobody wants to go to these places and put money into them, so then people can't justify the cost of, of operating them. But also, if, if the economy is working on the people who would go to these places, why isn't the economy working on the people who would bulldoze these places down and build a, a, a sandwich shop and, yeah, there you uh, go. and a mall? Makes so, you think, don't it? So where is that money coming from? Exactly. Exactly. There's there's not enough money to upkeep the place, but there's plenty of money to bulldoze it. Right. And I don't know which one costs more. I can't see it being that much different. Um, no. But, I mean, well, you know, it's... it's, it's money's in the wrong hands, but you can't thing, just redistribute money, but we're... we're I, I don't well, know. it goes both ways, though, too, and this is what really kind of cheeses me off, too, because Amber and I were... We were we went through... Uh, where the heck did we go? We went through... Oh, my... God, my brain totally... Well, we were well, going while somewhere this week. Yeah, while ahead, you're thinking where you were going, a really interesting about following money. Yeah. You know, the banks went to the the Congress or whatever and said, we need money, we're going to fail. So the so Congress set up a $700 billion account yeah, for yeah. them to have, right? And so they each got money, and then they, instead of like doing what they said they were going to do, which was, you know, uh, improve the credit... Uh, situation yeah, for individuals yeah. and, 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 uh, uh, and corporations. Instead of improving the credit stuff, they went out and bought other banks and stuff. Or, yeah. And there was the bonus thing too, even hearing about also. Like and the, the bonuses and the big bonuses. parties. Yeah. Like, so, so they went and they went. That's Wee! ridiculous. So they went obviously. on spring break, right? Well, yeah. there's another, <laughs> there's another thing that they did. We got bailed out, man. Party. <laughs> They're using the government's money. No. Uh-huh. That they borrowed yeah. to lobby the government for looser regulations. Uh, like the regulations weren't loose enough already. Right. That's how the did, reason we're in this problem is because you were giving every yeah. Tom, Dick, and Harry a, a loan for a $400,000 house who could nowhere afford it. Right. Nowhere could they afford it. 
But, oh, no, no problem at all. This is the only country that you can do that in. I guarantee you. This is the only country in America that you can screw up over and over and over again like this. And they'll be happy to give you more and more money. Right. Well, we're finally paying for it now. Mm. Right. But going back to this building thing, I got, I got to mention this because we were. Yeah, you were going. I don't know where the hell we were going. I totally forgot now. I mean, Amber, we're driving somewhere. Uh, Let's well, see. We, you were going to the um, flower shop to buy we were going, a bouquet of flowers. Where was it Good that enough. we were going on Thursday or Friday? It don't matter, but we had to go through Detroit. Which yeah. Is always, yeah, that's always an adventure, right? Um, and we were actually going through, and we just, you know, as you know. I think it was cold. As out. you know, you go through all these places. Tom Tom. I had my Tom Tom. It was taking me somewhere. Where was my Tom Tom taking me? It's driving me insane now. Where the hell were we going? Is it pertinent to the story? Allen Park. We went to a record, well, not a record store, uh, a music store because I had a $25 gift certificate. Ah. So we went to a music store. I'm not going to give the name of it on the air because I hate the place, but I, I had a $25 gift certificate. I know exactly where you're yeah. talking about. Allen Park, yeah. So, I would have yeah. got a burrito. If I were going to Allen Park, I would have got a burrito. So no, we, we went down, that's where we were going. So but we went through Detroit and Amber looked and sees these gigantic buildings, you know, they're just completely, no windows. Right. We've been to a couple of them. Of course. <laughs> yes, we have. Back in the day, right? Uh, so, we, uh, we were just talking about that day. <laughs> but anyways, so we're looking at these buildings on there covered in spray paint, right? Yeah. Uh, they got no windows left in them, you know, there's big middle fingers all over them and stuff like that. And right. Signs and whatnot. And Amber's like, you know, why don't they just tear these buildings down? I'm like, cost too much. Yeah. Cost too much. Not in the budget for that. Same thing with crack houses. But there's a crack house every other house, I think, in Detroit oh, yeah. sometimes. And and they um they won't tear them down uh because it costs too, cost too much. Now if it was on a prime location corner, right. you would see that thing get blown over. It would be right. gone. There'd be right. there'd be nothing there. It'd be, I mean, as soon as somebody took an interest to it. To be gone, right? Right. Because there's money. So it so it comes down to this thing now. Probably you know I don't know what the you know the strategic location of Fort Mifflin is right as far as like you know marketing and sales and demographics is concerned. I but think I, it's in the middle of. Is it just in the middle of Pennsylvania? I think so. I I just yeah. I don't think it's like Andy and Tanya have been there from Experial Productions. Yeah, been there a couple times, so they they might be able to send you know lend us some information on this. But but didn't th- they also say that it booked up? Like seven years or something, and you can't get it, uh, a booking now to go investigate. Well, the maybe place? not because they're they're trying to tear it down. Apparently, I I don't know. But get it, in early, guys. But there's money. There's money to tear that down. Apparently, tear it down and build something else. Yeah, something much more modern and sleek and full, right. full of stuff you don't need and crap like that. Right. So, you know, it does it does make you think about things like that. Like just just kind of look, looking going back and forth because you do have the structure that's been taken care of. People are doing their best to put money into this thing and keep it up because it's a historical location. It's a thing of beauty. People like you know, admire this thing and look how nice this thing is. But then you go to Detroit and look at this ugly thing sitting there that at one time was a sprawling metropolis. Mm-hmm. These these were useful buildings. These were wonderful places where people made money and raised their families as a result of these places. It was a cool thing. Um, and now they're garbage. But no, can't tear that down. It's ugly. Tanya says it's near the airport in Philly. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is like a fabulous uh, place to put up a little She motel. says they're not planning to tear it down. Oh. Well, what's going on there? They what? just don't have the money to to pay employees right now. They don't have the money to pay employees. Right? How many employees do they have there? Um, I don't know. Well, Hold type on. it in the chat room. You know what? No, we're, you know what? Tanya, 
why don't you call in here? Because, I mean, we're going to talk more to, to Tony about this, so we'll just touch it briefly. Tanya, why don't you call in? Well, Tanya, let's have Tanya call in here because I want to learn more about this thing. Okay. So we don't know that much about it. So, you know, I just want to make the assumption that they're, you know, save Fort Mifflin. That means that they need to save it from destruction. If that's not the case, let's get that straightened out before we get Tony on the line. <laughs> well, go, to, go to savefortmifflin.com or org. Well, or let's, have, let's have Tanya drop him. We haven't talked okay. to her in a while. Anyway, is she going to call in? I don't know. I'm waiting for her response. Come on. Hurry up, Tanya. Jesus well, Christ. There's, there's a one-minute a delay oh. or something from when we talked. Yeah, but I typed it into the chat room, and all she has to do is dial 201-793-9022. When asked for the conference code, enter 799-5098, followed by the pound sign. And I'm not sure. What does she have to do to raise her hand? Oh, oh crap. It used to be 1-1, one, one, but now Raise hand. Weird. Uh, star nine. Then she just has to hit star nine, and she's do, on with us. Why don't you do that again? Because I, because 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 it you makes kinda you flew sick that I remember it. Well, or? you kind of flew through it. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I don't remember. I just Tanya, I dear, if you want to call in, dial two zero one seven nine three nine zero two two. When asked for the conference code, enter seven nine nine five zero nine eight, followed by the pound sign. Then hit star nine to raise your hand. Wow. Yeah, let's see. Well, well, I don't want to steal Tony's thunder, you know, but I'm just curious about this. And I'd rather, you know, be, you know, know what's going on here. I only had a couple minutes before the show to look at. I did look at the Save Fort Mifflin site for a couple seconds. Yeah. Didn't have any time. <laughs> Tony called me this afternoon. We were out and about. But, uh, I mean, still, okay, Stephen at that, if they're not going to be leveling the place, right, um, they still can't pay the employees. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why can't they pay the employees there to keep this place up? They don't have the money for it? I don't know. The economy's bad. Well, okay. All right. You know, I mean, I what do you how do you what are you going to argue? I mean, I could go into some rant. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I I mean, I I've got definite opinions, but I'm not going to say anything cuz I don't know. Yeah, either But do I, I know that we lost Central State in uh, Indianapolis. Gone. Really? Absolutely gone. Yeah. Well, these historical sites, again, it just, uh, it's a bummer, and we'll have to, well, like I said, we'll talk to Tony more about that. Yeah. Something, is Tanya gonna call him? I don't, she, she, she I, I, Alright, never mind, Tanya. Scared. Never mind, she Tanya. Might, we're we're gonna move on, cause I don't want, I don't want to steal Tony's thunder anyway, so yeah, okay. that's not cool, we don't want to do that to him, so, never mind, Tanya, um, go back to doing what you were doing, okay? Uh, one thing I do want to mention, this is so weird, okay? Right. This is, oh, there she is. Well, we we could just chat with her, I guess. I don't know. Can we chat with her? Oh, oh. Why not? Is that her? I don't know. Well, let's see. Let's try. Let's we'll see, see who it is. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Yeah, why not? Let's just see what happens. Hey, uh, caller from 717 Area Code. You're on the air. Can you hear us? Hey. Who's this? Howdy. Tanya. Oh, hi, Tanya. I love you deeply, darling. I love you, too. Aw, okay, now that that's over, the guys can talk to you. Andy sends his love. Aw, I love him, too, and his hiney. Oh, yeah, you know what? While we're on the air here, Tanya, I should take advantage of this time to thank you for the wonderful packages that I received this week from you guys. Oh, thank Andy. It was all his doing. We have this little competition. I didn't receive a package. I didn't get a package Hear me out before you start whining, all right? Uh, 
this is what's going on here. This is what's going on here. Apparently, there's this competition that, unbeknownst to myself and or Andy, probably, uh, that we're trying to have like a metrosexual off thing, I guess, or something like that. You win. Well, okay. Yeah. Let me let me. He get... doesn't use nearly the amount of candles you do. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Now, now, Tanya, let's. We we got a couple of things we can go through here. Now, what was Andy's hang up during Christmas? Can we talk about this on the air? Or are we not allowed to talk about this on the air? As far as a certain Christmas present. Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Bath salts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I got some bath salts from his sister for Christmas, and he got really upset because he didn't get any. And so he <laughs> took the ones that she gave to his mother, took them from her, so he'd have his own bath salts. Wow. Now, that's pretty se- That's pretty serious, Doug. I mean, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean... I, I, you know, I got my hang-ups, but that's, that's pretty heavy. So anyway, so I got home from work one, of the, uh, one day this week, and I, uh, I get this package, you know, from the Kaisers, and I'm like, okay, this, you know, I'm thinking maybe, okay, it's, you know, copies of something, you know, something to watch, whatever. You know, check this out. What do you think? Um, I open it up, and there is uh, a nice, uh, a sandalwood and lavender glycerin bar of soap, ah. along with um, a Best of Broadway box set, CD box set. <laughs> I want a gift package. Now this, now this go. Now I'm gonna rip on myself here because I, in order to finish the story, I have to explain this. I said something really stupid to Amber a couple weeks ago because we were looking at our Zum soap. You know, that's our favorite right, thing now. Right. And my bathroom is lined with this soap. Um, and Amber's like, well, she got the liquid version of it, right? Mm-hmm. She got the liquid version of it. And she's like, well, I got some liquid stuff here. You want to try? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I like the bar soap. It's a, it's a different experience, you know. And I took a beating for that comment that I made. I thought it was perfectly cool, but apparently it just puts me, you know, again, up in that metrosexual scale. Yes. So the, in this package I get what the, and the, by the way, the bar of soap was wrapped in this really nice box with a little bow on it. Which makes you more metrosexual yeah, exactly. by the second. I open it up and there it says here, this might be for a better experience, Scott. So I'm taking a pounding from these guys. So uh, thank you very much for that, though. I am using the soap, by the way, Tanya. So tell you, tell Andy I said thank you. Great. Yes. That's my soap. Are you creeped out? It's a now? totally different experience. It is a totally different experience because the the Zum soap is actually goat's milk based, and this is glycerin based, so it is different. It's Scott wins. Okay. <laughs> Scott wins. I I could have told you Scott won when we were at Gettysburg for Ghost World, and he stood at the table. I can't remember what the name of the company was, but. For like a half hour with Amber, smelling everything on oh, the table. Oh, the, the black soap and sundry people. They yes. were cool. Yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah. Scott guys won well. at that point. Andy can never I dropped 50 him. bucks at that table, man. I, try, I bought every bar. I tried every bar of soap they had and bought it all and brought it home with me. No, so yeah, the competition's on though. Now I have to, I have to retort with something, I guess. So uh, this will be interesting. This, yeah, so we'll keep you guys posted on that little thing. Now, sorry, Tanya, that wasn't the reason I had you call in. We were kind of talking in the real high level about Fort Mifflin. What's going on with this thing exactly now? Because we're gonna be talking with Tony about this later on. But I know you guys have been there yourself. So what you know, what have you guys been hearing? Well, apparently they're running out of money. They're not able to pay their employees. Um, they often do shut their doors for the winter, but they're worried they're not going to be able to reopen in the spring. 
So, I haven't heard anything about them knocking it down or anything like that. But that was an assumption we should. Yeah, that was a quick assumption, you know, and we, I'll stand corrected on that one. So I just heard save Fort Mifflin, and when I ever hear something like, you know, save some building, it usually means there's a bulldozer firing up, lined up, ready to take the front door out of the place. So, uh, you know, that's that's what I thought, but that isn't the case. But even again, still, it's like. They can't afford to pay the employees. <laughs> right. What's, what's that's going to start to deteriorate. Yeah. What's going on there? I mean, do you know how many people they employ there? I don't, to be honest with you. Um, not a lot because they don't get the kind of vis- visitation that other historic sites get, which is unfortunate because it's an incredible place. Well, yeah. You know, I've been wanting to go there for a long time. So, okay. Well, like I said, we're going to be talking to Tony about this later on some more, and we're going to be getting into a lot of the stuff. He wrote a book on this, so he's really been he spent he spent a lot of years there working with this place. So, right. cool, Tanya. Well, we appreciate that. And tell Andy I appreciate again the the wonderful the gifts uh, from you guys. So, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, enjoy the lather. Oh yeah, we're having a ball here. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye. Thank Bye. You, Tanya. Bye, Tanya. Completely Bye. creeped out by that visual. I'm. <laughs> I threw the up lather. in my mouth a couple times. Yeah. What are you talking Mo- about? Let's move on. You enjoying lather. Yeah. What it's lather? Ki- it's kind of creepy. What lather are you talking she about? She said enjoy the lather. I went to visuals. They were not pretty. I thought she said enjoy the weather. That's what I heard. We'll need to get a, a replay, but I heard lather. So did I. <laughs> and then and I pictured something It made me throw up. disgusting. Yeah, because yeah, you and I often yeah. share the same brain. <laughs> That's true. So. Before we go, we got a couple of seconds before we go to break. Is there anything else you want to throw on the table before we take a break? Um, send heat. Please send heat. Is there anything anyone wants to talk about here? No. Well, that's great, because this is only a talk show, Doug. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. <laughs> Man, Actually, you know really, what? Way to be on the ball there, guys. I, 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 mean, I, I wasn't just... reading your cues, but you know what I did find out? Hey, Doug, are you a... What? Read that cue. <laughs> I stopped. I stopped. I st- go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have projectiles I could throw at you <laughs> all over, including that head. But, <laughs> all right. Oh, Bonnie, give it up. There's a, there is something yeah. that I found out last night yeah. that I'm not very excited about. No, it's worse. Oh yeah. Scott's pregnant? <laughs> no, no, I'd appreciate no. if you would never say that on the air ever again. Thank you. As a matter of fact, your, li- your line's been out. Oh, Thank goodness. There now you're back goes. in. All right. I got saved on that one. Go ahead. What are you saying, Doug? The, oh, so. So the, no one heard me say no one heard her pregnant? Like, <laughs> there's the rest. There's the, there you go. Now you're out again. <laughs> She's awesome. Go okay. ahead, Doug. No, I. All right. So you can you. I, I got a little bit worried because there's this application for um, a new cell phone kind of thing that is all the rage, right? Yeah. And it's called like Sound Grenade or something. So you download it and you pull, you start it up on your cell phone and it makes this this noise that makes people want to leave. I have no idea. So I like it already. And it's like keep talking. T- it's like one of the top most downloaded free applications for this new cell phone. And um I thought, well I wonder what that is. So I downloaded it and played it. And I'm like, it doesn't do anything. It's broke. Meanwhile there was somebody at my house who said, Can you turn that thing off? Really? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? There's nothing. Oh, my God. It's this piercing scream. And I'm like, 
there's nothing here. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And, um, and so I turned it off and she was like, oh, thank you. Cause that was absolutely insane. Right? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I, I didn't think anything, you know, I didn't hear a thing. Right? Uh-huh. Turns out, I, I, I went and I downloaded this thing about, like, what frequencies can you hear kind of thing. Yeah. Only not for the, for the phone, because the phone obviously, you know, doesn't have that kind of sophisticated software, but the, my, my laptop does, or, or can, you know, yeah. you search the web, you find a free thing and download it and play it, yeah. right? Yeah. Probably infected it with all kinds of viruses, but <laughs> it, 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 it plays these tones, right? And you uh-huh. can set what frequency. And it turns out, I can't hear very high pitched tones. Really? I had no clue. That's a trip. Hmm. And I'm thinking, well, what if? Well, I was gonna say you turn this thing on, and your dogs just start freaking out all around you and stuff. When you I can't wonder, hear I, I, I don't know. I have no idea, but I know that it's higher than I can hear, but it's not higher than she can hear. And this thing's just supposed to clear rooms. And right, you're right. You're gonna. It, I think it's marketed as, although it's free. I don't know why they market it, but they, they, they wrote the little write up says. Are you at a dinner party and everyone's annoying you? Put this on and people won't know where it's coming from, but they'll leave. And I'm like, God, that's brilliant. I hmm. need to get that. That's absolutely brilliant. Because Are you at a restaurant been... with a family with screaming kids? It's oh, that's oh, a Friday I night. There have been many that. times I've wanted to use something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but it Sound turns out I name. can't even hear it. So I'm in. Peaceful. Dude, that's even well, better. That's... Evidently, I can't ever use it on you. Right, but... you can't use it on me. That's like that. You could take over the world with something like that. Oh, I know. Yeah, I could just wander like... around with this. Wander around that thing, thing and, just, yeah, and shut people down all over the place. And because man. I can't hear it, I don't care. Oh, go ahead. Where, where, where can this be downloaded at? Well, no, 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 no. We can't say oh, that. Well, because, act, no, no, we, we want to keep it. We can no, say it. We know because we want to keep a secret. Because oh, want yeah, we don't want. Well, I don't care if anybody else gets it because I can hear it anyway. Because if somebody comes to me at a conference with their orb photos again, they start rambling on about that. I'm going to fire that sucker up and send him off, dude. That's what I'm going to do. Actually, I, I will tell you, it, it's it's in iTunes. Yeah. Right? And iTunes, of course, that's where a lot, lot, lot of our listeners You know what's going to The next conference we go to now, we're, we're not going to be able to go anywhere in the in the conference center without our ears bleeding. Well, your ears, because I can't, you can't hear it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can't hear it, so I'm all set. Yeah. But uh, Bonnie will probably run out of the place screaming. You'll probably run out of the place screaming. Everybody yeah. who can hear high-pitched noises is going to run out of the place screaming, but I'll sit there at our booth. <laughs> yeah, after I'll, we draw you a map on so, how to get there. I'll sell to the one other deaf person who can, And so I figured, okay, now here's the thing. I have the trifecta, right? The mm-hmm. trifecta of issues. All right. I know I'm blind in one eye. Right? I was going to say. So geez, I'm already blind, I'm hate, man. right? I'm fat as a house, and now <laughs> I'm deaf. So I'm blind, fat, and deaf. I think I'm going to apply for a small business association loan. Because I fit, like, tons of categories. Uh, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'm just absolutely... I, I I just didn't even believe it. I, I can't hear high-pitched noises. Well, why don't you go fill out one of them forms while we're on break? I think that's a good idea. Why don't we do that? This is Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott Allen. And I'm blind, deaf, and fat, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm frightened. Good night. Ghostly Talk! <laughs> Powerhub Radio, the internet's only rock and roll paranormal extravaganza. Special guest with us, Robbie Thomas, psychic medium. Where is the Lawrence House? It's in Ontario, Canada. It is a house that was owned by a shipbuilder, and it was haunted. The tools of the trade back then 
or baby powder. The reason being is I could see and the kids with me couldn't, so I figured if I threw the baby powder in the air as the spirit was walking through, it would cover it and then they could say, oh, we see it now. The next tool was a flashlight so we know where we were going and a rope so we could tie it around so we don't get taken away by the spirit. So that hey, was Anthony, the main. Isn't that what your last girlfriend said? <laughs> that's just, that's a, just a Friday night for Anthony. Baby powder, a rope, and a flashlight. <laughs> Para Hub Radio. Thursdays, 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern on Bounce Radio and Parahub.org. Is the veil between this world and the next getting thinner? I'm Chris Sloan, inviting you to join in and listen to a new podcast that deals with the paranormal, Parapod, with new guests every week, from paranormal investigators to the people they help. Hear actual EVP. The people that capture We go into a case to disprove a haunting. Three flashlights, actually four counting the lantern, were actually honed in on this thing, and it was swallowing the light up. Parapod. Log on to myspace.com forward slash Chris Sloan Radio. That's myspace.com forward slash C-H-R-I-S-S-L-O-N-E Radio. The only difference between the believer and the skeptic is time. And your time is now.
mention it i'm like yeah there's we I need to refit one, the studio one, with one massage of, chairs yeah, yeah one, one third of the was, show is getting massaged right now bonnie was broken so they're fixing her right now <laughs> yeah we had to bring the people in from sears Actually, here to, like, uh, i'm not gonna say what it looks like <laughs> <laughs> please don't because no. i know what it looks like yes so we're gonna leave it alone yes i think that's a good idea one thing i forgot to mention before we went to break we aren't, this was something that, this happens every year, too, you know that? I do this every year, and you guys always call me, and I always fix it. Forget our birthday. No, I don't forget your birthday, oh. I forget Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah. And we were working this week, and Doug's like, hey, Bonnie and I were talking, and there's something I wanted to mention to you. I'm like, well, what's up, you know? And you're like, oh, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, you booked guests for that week. I'm like, you know what? We do this every single year. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the, one of the, one of the, like, the few observed ghostly talk holidays. Right. Um, and we don't do the show on, on Super Bowl Sunday. So next week, we're going to be off for the week. Um, you know, we'll have archives and stuff up and all that fun stuff too for the, for the affiliates. But, um, yeah, we're going to be off next week for sure for the Super Yes, Bowl. because um, uh, for for several years, Ghostly Talk did take precedence over Super Bowl Sunday. But you see, I had a long-standing tradition in my family. Well, we did. We did some shows yeah. during Super Bowl yes, Sunday back did. in the day, yes, which was did. just a ball. I mean, that was like just like oh, it was, decadence and it's yeah. fine ashtray in one hand you know you know and a, and, and a sandwich sandwich in another and, and yeah. just yeah coffee and, and pot we were just like just picking out and having a ball oh and, and ice cream at the halftime and the yeah it, yeah. it was it, it it's a tradition in my family to observe super bowl sunday as, a, as an accredited as, holiday as yeah as an absolute total holiday and and it's the only football game I watch every year, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's obviously not. I didn't watch that much because I always forget about it every year. <laughs> but it know? was, um, but you know, then then Ghostly Talk took precedence over that. We ended up doing Ghostly Talk on many Super Bowls, several. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, I said, I I caved in. I said, you know, the thing is, I'm missing the new commercials. Because um, God knows they never replay them. <laughs> yes, over but I like to see them right over away. And over I want to see them again. right, right, right away, like the very first play of them. I, I really would like to know how the, how Super Bowl Sunday became, like you know, because I mean, there's some people that literally are lobbying to have the Monday off Super Bowl Sunday, like Monday off. 
Right. So well, the what they needed yeah. to do is they needed to become a bank and get a bridge or get a big yeah, loan there you from go. the government. And then they could afford to lobby the government because they could just use the government's money to lobby the government. And I think that would work out really well. It's, yeah, you're right. It's working for the banks. It's working for the banks. There you go. Because, I mean, there's some people that just want to take the – and there are a lot of people that just uh, – yeah, I'm not feeling too well today. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of like the day after St. Patty's Day. Pretty much. I had I had four meatball subs and washed it down with a pint of Southern Comfort. I'm gonna. (laughs) I'm done. It's just not my Monday. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm not up to. I'm not up to going and working at UPS today. I'm sorry. I I I can't deliver boxes today. I'm done. That and and sometimes uh, the Super Bowl is is on the West Coast. This time it's on the East Coast. It's in Tampa. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And. but, you know, sometimes it's on the West Coast, in which case that really jacks up the timing of it. And sometimes it could end at like 11 or something here. On no, you coast. act like that's late, you old man. Well, no, I mean, if you have to get up for work, some people have to get up for work. And sometimes I sleep in a bit. But, you know, the... the um, <laughs> what? I can set my own hours. That's what I... I believe. <laughs> and if the world well, is, isn't, isn't a matter of can, it. you just set your I own just do, and then I get in trouble, but whatever. <laughs> no, yeah, so that's what's going to be going on next week for sure. We're going to, we're going to be off the week, uh, in observance of Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. So, uh, we'll see you guys in a couple February weeks. February 1st. Yeah, February 1st, beginning of the month. So it, it should be a fun game though. I don't really know who's playing. What's going on? Um, yeah, see that? There you go. It's just, it's a party. Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers and I believe Arizona. Sounds good to me. Okay, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm sure it'll be a fantastic game. I'm sure it'll be awesome. I know I love Amber. That's really all I know right now. We replaced, uh, we mentioned this, I think, last week, was it? Yeah. We blew bulbs here in the studio. Yeah. No, that's not really a huge deal, but I went out and actually got, like, you know, the new, you know, these new uh, honeycomb bulbs, whatever they call them, you know, these, these, these spiral. spiral bulbs. And they're, they're called they're, compact fluorescents. And they're yeah. cool. They're cool. I got them all over the place here in the winery. And, uh, but the weirdest thing is, okay, the, like this week, um, yeah, well, like, yeah, we blew it. Uh, well, there was one light bulb out already, and then mm-hmm. another one blew. Mm-hmm. The same, like a couple days later. Yeah. So that's when I replaced all of them. Now, to make things even weirder here, in one of, in the bathroom here, mm-hmm. uh, two days ago, I walk in there, turn the lights on, boom, light bulb blows. Where's my grandma's? I know. Here? Your grandma moved in here, I think. Because, because the thing is, that's how it would work for me uh, for years and years and years. Then they invented compact fluorescents, and she doesn't know how to mess with those. Well, I replaced so, I, I replaced the one bulb. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. It was an old bulb. It happens. No big deal. And then, was it yesterday or today, Amber? I think it was this morning. No, yesterday and today. Was it yesterday? It was, it was this morning. And today? I walked in, and I flipped the light on. The other bulb blew. Wow. Now, either we got a major electrical problem here, which I'm not, I don't want to deal with, or we just say, I, I just, you know, that's how efficient I am. I replace all the bulbs at the exact same time, and they all go within a couple of days of each other. But it was kind of weird. I know, I thought about your grandma. Yeah. When I saw that. So, you know, we replaced these bulbs. I did, I just put regular old ones in the bathroom, so I don't know what's going to happen, but wish me luck on that. She's probably <laughs> like, okay, well, you know, Doug's house now has all complex fluorescent, compact fluorescents except for six. There are yeah. six non-compact fluorescent bulbs in the house. Uh-huh. And I'm on top of those, like, you know, like, I don't know, what are you on top of? Uh, yeah. Well, on top of something. Anyway, so I'm, I'm on top of it. As long as you're on top of something. Yes. And then the... <laughs> and then, makes me happy. <laughs> then, uh, so she's probably like, well, I wonder, let's see, where else does Doug go? 
Oh, I know where he goes every week. He, he goes over to the winery to do his radio show. Haunted Warren Winery. Yeah. And, yeah. So maybe she's doing that. I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. We're just, just, well, I'll keep you posted on that one. Hopefully we don't blow up any more bulbs well, here. Well, she doesn't know how to do those. So Tanya this, this wants to know if lit. you program bulb replacement on your spreadsheets. <laughs> it's scheduled. Yes. <laughs> Completely scheduled. Peace off, Tanya. Oh, wow. Tanya, that's, that's he the, loves you. That's the French cow coming in. Oh, no. That's not the French cow. Smoking his hand-rolled cigarette. Yeah. yeah. I off. love the way you put that. Peace off, Tanya. You need to go away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not even going to dignify that with any kind of explanation. You win. Okay. One thing I saw this, this article has been kind of been floating around. Right. Uh, this is, these are the articles I like to see. I actually. Have interesting it. articles that actually have some interesting stuff. And the yeah. heading is caffeine linked to seeing ghosts. Yes. I identified it with this immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because while, you've seen ghosts? While I'm sucking down this, I'm slobbing down in my wonderful cuddle and bubble mug that we got, our complimentary right. cuddle and bubble mugs we got when we were out in Cape Cod. Thank you, Derek, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to like my coffee. Now, I haven't seen a ghost, though. That's the only thing. Right. But I was thinking about that. As soon as I saw this heading, I said, now, wait a minute. This makes perfect sense. Because you know, what do most people do when they're on these ghost hunts? They spend a lot of time somewhere, and they usually end up consuming a lot of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, whether it's you know the two liter of uh, Mountain Dew or mm-hmm. the coffee or whatnot. Um, so this is like an interesting idea, you know. And I mean, we can hammer through a little bit of this, I guess. Because then Doug should have seen multiple. Should, because yes. he free bases diet Pepsi. I know. I, you I burn it in a more, spoon and inject it directly into your veins. I drink more caffeine than anybody on the planet. I don't think mice have had as much. You know, the mice in the lab has had as much caffeine <laughs> as me. And uh, and I've only seen one ghost once. And yeah. I wasn't drinking caffeine at the time. I was driving with you. Well, here it says here, research suggests people who drink more than seven cups of instant coffee. Instant coffee. Instant coffee. A day have increased tendency to hallucinate. They also have really burnt out taste buds. Yeah, instant have you ever coffee tasted sucks. Instant bu- instant I hate instant coffee. I don't think anybody on the planet is in danger of drinking seven cups of instant coffee or more. High caffeine users may even think they sense non-existent people, according to researchers from the University of, Dun- of Durham. No, you experience non-existent people when you're on sleep depth. I found that out the hard way last week. <laughs> that is true. They studied 200 students who were asked about their typical intake of caffeine products. Uh, those who had high... They're talking to college students. They're taking in drugs. They're not taking in caffeine products. <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? Uh, those who had high caffeine intake were three times more likely to have heard uh, heard voice... Heard the voice of... Have the ho- heard voice of someone non-existent than low users who consume oh, less than one cup of They did write that wrong. They said to yeah, have they, they the was, heard and yeah. they meant to have heard the... Um, the herd. Okay, so seeing mm. things that were not there, hearing voices and sensing the presence of dead people were among these experiences reported. Besides coffee, uh, caffeine can be obtained from sources such as tea, chocolate, pep pills, uh, and energy drinks. Is that what they're calling them now? Pep pills? <laughs> they're called uppers! <laughs> uppers, you moron! Uppers! <laughs> and like, you lived in the 70s, Doug, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> And 80s. You were young, in, yeah, seventies and eighties. Yeah, yeah. Was it big in the eighties too? Oh, oh no! Actually, <laughs> actually, the pet pills were much more uh, prevalent in the seventies. Well, now they call them energy pills or pet pill, or you know, and they're they're pet pills. They're yeah. not they're not uppers. Yeah, they called them <laughs> diet pills when I was a kid. <laughs> I swear, I swear, you you would go to the store and buy your 
diet pills. Yeah. Well, however, the hallucinations are not necessarily a sign of mental illness. Around 3% of people regularly hear voices, the research said. The ability of... Well, okay, wait, wait. Yeah, okay. It's not uh, not necessarily a sign of mental illness. Does that mean if you really are hearing and seeing ghosts, you're mentally ill? I mean, they're, they're, they're That's not... That's they're alluding to, unfortunately. Yeah. Suddenly we're all... The research is a bit biased, I think. Yeah, suddenly we're all... Uh, was it schizotypal again? Well, uh, let's see. The ability of caffeine to exacerbate the effects of stress may be behind the study's findings, scientists believe. Wait, pronounce that Exas- word is it Is it exacerbate? Exacerbate, exacerbate. Sorry, no. Exacerbate. That's the I one. can't even see it, but exacerbate. Yeah, whatever. It's all the same to me. Good. No. So <laughs> the effects of stress. Well, no. Maybe. Why would you take caffeine to relieve the effects of stress? That's what exacerbate. Is it? Isn't that what exacerbate means? No, exacerbate means to make worse. To make worse. Yes. That don't sound very logical. Like if if you pour salt in a wound, you're exacerbating it. Okay, exacerbate right. the wound. I don't ever yeah. use that word. So thank you guys. I've learned a word today. You make it worse. Yay. Uh, when under stress, the body releases the hormone cortisol, which is produced in greater quantities after consuming caffeine, possibly leading to hallucinations. Oh my God. I, I, I sweat cortisol. <laughs> Go ahead. Dr. Cherry, Dr. Cherry's. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to pronounce this last word. I already screwed up exacerbate. So Dr. <laughs> Charles, the, the co-author of the study, pointed out that the research only showed an association between caffeine intake and hallucination proneness, not a casual link. Uh, so apparently uh, they're very serious about one another. They're not casual whatsoever. One interpretation may be that those students who were more prone to hallucinations used caffeine to help cope with their experiences, he said. Oh, my God, I saw a ghost. Let me get some Pepsi. That I is- need some caffeine right now. No, you go to the you go to the bottle. Is this guy funded? I don't know, this is, I was this a funded. Like I said at the very beginning here, I just read the I just read the heading and said, "Hey, this makes sense actually." This has got to be one of the worst and least. I I, I I I'm sorry. Wandering around a cemetery with a with a camcorder is more scientific than that survey. <laughs> oh my gosh, you could wander around a cemetery with a crayon and it would be more scientific than that survey. That survey was. In, at least the write-up of the survey was insane. Well, you want to read it again so we can exacerbate your exacerbate your anger? No, on no, no. Okay. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. I'm going to use that. Word I'm going to use that word like forty. I'm going to try to use it. <laughs> Both interviews we had tonight. Look for that word. You get a prize. Oh, that'll be interesting. I don't know what it is yet, and you probably just get a slap on the back if I ever get to meet you. That's all you're going to get. But hey, <laughs> Rah, hey nice job. It. Good job. You found it. But uh, yeah, the um. It, uh, when money does happen well, for the paranormal, it happens in such a bad way, I can't even believe it. <laughs> mm. Here's something else I wanted to throw out there. This is just an interesting thought. Because we're just kind of hammering... Fun. I want a nap like, like Bonnie. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not napping. Me. I'm very awake. But I know, I know. Uh, Amber has really warm hands. This 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 come up in conversation today, and this has been a conversation we've had a couple of times, and we've actually talked about with people at the office and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the ski mask. The ski mask. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. Was you, you were really proud uh, of yourself because, you know, we have this long walk sometimes we have to make yes. to get to our office. And Doug's like, well, yeah. he comes in one day and he's really proud of himself. And he's like, I have a ski mask. <laughs> and, you know, now, as you guys know out there, what do they used to call it out there where you, when you were growing up, Amber? When I was like four, I called it a Muskegon mugger mask. A Muskegon mugger mask, right? That's what my dad Wow. Now, here's the... Go get your mugger mask. Yeah, right? Now, here's the thing. Mugger mask. 
when you think about the ski mask, right, or the, the, the I don't think there's any other name for it. It's just a ski mask. That's what they actually call it. It's a brand name, yeah. ski mask. Um, you know, you think of, you know, what I, what I think is what an efficient piece of equipment. You know, you don't have, it don't give you blind spots because, you know, you put a hood over your head, you can't see anything, you get hit right, by a car. Right, um, It's lightweight, it goes on your head real easy, and it keeps your face warm while you're walking through the cold right. of Michigan. What a wonderful, efficient tool to keep yourself from freezing. It, it also However, helps. it makes it look like you're going to rob the local 7-Eleven. The ski mask has a bad rep. It's got a tour. That's not the ski mask's fault. It isn't the ski mask's fault. It's the moron with the gun in his hand robbing the store. It has been used for years as a tool of. To hide identity while you're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. The ski mask has a bad rep, and I really feel bad for the ski mask because, again, it's a wonderful, efficient thing. You love it, right, Doug? Well, not only that, it helps uh, filter out all the pollutants in the air. There's tons of them. And if there's pollutants going in my lungs, I want to put them there. Look at that. And you do. I do. On a regular as basis. You'll be possible. doing it in about, about five <laughs> minutes, minute probably. In about five minutes, You'll I'm be do- planning. Exactly. In five minutes, we'll both be putting pollutants yeah. in gonna. She's going to, I don't know, how, how do people... How do people? Is it an amoeba walk? I I don't know what. How do you just like out the ooze out of the door and then down the? Oh yeah, she's like she's been liquefied. She right is. Now. She's like absolutely in heaven. Amber, but I think that, I, I think the ski mask has got a bad rep though, and it kind of bumps does. me out. It and, But does. even me, when I see someone with one of mine, I kind of go. Well, I kind of my gosh, quicken my step kid. up a little exactly. bit in my car. If you just say you were walking in Detroit. And <laughs> you're walking down the street, and someone's coming I took towards a- you with a ski mask on. You are going to turn and run in the opposite direction. Uh, I'd pull my AK-47 That's out. unfortunate, because I think it's a fantastic tool to keep your face warm. I don't have a gun. And I was going to go buy one. I was going to go buy one, but I'm like, well. Oh, I know. I don't want to do that. got teeth. Because yeah. when I take it off, I look even worse. I look more, even more like a thug, according to some people. So, you know, why give myself double jeopardy <laughs> than that, right? I want the names and addresses of those people. <laughs> I've had bosses tell me that. You, know, you look, like, you a look thug. like a thug. What? Happy to be here. Thank you. As soon as they say that, you need to drop your pants to mid-ass. And where the where is this going? six sizes too large. Well, if you're going to look like a thug, you oh, might as well take it. Yes. But there was that thing, you know, we only got a couple minutes here, but if you remember two summers ago, oh man, it, it's, it was a while back, but there was that, that governor or that senator who was actually pushing to have people with baggy pants having that fashion yes. banned. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was in Florida. I don't I think, think that's a bad idea, truthfully. Well, <laughs> personally, I you think it looks terrible. No idea. How many times I've almost walked up on a perfect stranger and pulled their pants up? That <laughs> aggravates me to no oh, end. Oh, it's, it's it's horribly aggravating. I think it looks terrible. It makes you look like a moron. Absolutely. Um, like I told, like I said back in the day when I used to do hiring, it makes you trip over your own pants too. Yeah. Well, when I used to do hiring back at my old job way back in the day in college and stuff, people would walk in like that all the time, and that. I know when I was growing up, when it come to getting a job, when you went to apply for a job, you usually came in a shirt and tie. I don't care if it was going to work at a fast food restaurant. Right. You came there looking dressed yes. to the nines the best you can, looking presentable. Um, and I remember having to tell people, look, I don't even want to waste your time having you fill out an application. Because right. you can't put your pants on. Now, you can't do that nowadays. <laughs> this was right. Like about nowadays 10, 15 say, years oh, ago. Now, yeah. Thanks for your app. Yeah. You know, and you put in the circular file and be done with it. But uh, By the way, that's one of my absolute favorite characters on Wizards of Waverly Place. Never seen it. The lady who's always the boss of something. Okay, 
And and she always wanders around in a complete and utter daze. She'd be like, thanks for your app, and then turn around and drop well, it in the The thing with the baggy garbage. pants, though, is that, that, you know, while I find it frustrating and annoying, I know you do, Bonnie, I know you do also, too, Doug, um, it's their right to do that. I, I stand behind that. Is it's their right to be annoying like that? They're not really hurting you. And even though I see them, I'm like I want to bunch of idiots. They look, they look stupid. I hope they grow out of that. But it's my right not to have to have anything to do with and them. Right. And I love that. Oh right. yeah, that's a great yeah. right. I will like, hang on to that. It's right. my right to look at them and go, you know, you look really stupid. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah. Get some help, kid. But so, you know, I think it's, it's a, that was from a while next, back. Next or uh, not next week on Ghost Talk because that's. Uh, uh, we need, we need to Sunday. we need to take back the ski mask. But though. the next, the following week, <laughs> I'm taking it back. We're taking the ski mask back for us. It's take ours. back the ski mask and um and 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 fashion advice and smaller pants and better belts for all. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really cool. Better belts. <laughs> yes. I want belts that grip all the way up to I the shoulders. I want a belt. <laughs> I think we should go back to wearing the pants. My belt doesn't do that right now because my body is shaped like a like a Hershey kiss. <laughs> and <laughs> what? What do you mean what? That was what? funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, there we go again. <laughs> I have no body, and the channel goes out. So it just goes boop. So I I do not like that, and so that's. <laughs> I think it's time to go to break. I think it's time to go to break. <laughs> okay, coming up, we are going to be talking to Tony Saletti, like we mentioned yes. before, about uh, about Fort Mifflin, all all in, ins and outs. Um, yeah, it'll be pretty cool. Um, long hour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, we got a lot of stuff out there, you know. It, it's been oh, fun. No. What's that? Oh, sorry, Bonnie. Go she ahead. It's been a great hour. Yeah, she's been like. Completely, She's been getting massaged yeah. for the last half an hour. Or Reiki. Mm-hmm. Reiki going on here? Yes. Yeah. We have live Reiki on the air. <laughs> Only on Ghostly Talk oh will you hear God. live Reiki on the air. Try putting that up against somebody else. Let's see Ghost Man and Demon Hunter do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this the first yeah, time Sean. Scott L has called out Ghost Man I'm calling Demon you out, Joe. challenge awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear some Reiki or something sexy going on on your show tonight. All right, this is Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott Al. I'm scared, but I'm Doug. <laughs> Bonnie, I'm and, completely relaxed. We gotta, we gotta, and disturbed. We're out of here. We'll be back here with Tony Saletti. You are listening to Ghostly Talk. I'm Tim Yancey, inviting you to explore the fascinating realm of the paranormal. Ghosts and hauntings, Bigfoot, UFOs, and alien abductions. Join me live every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. with the foremost authorities and experts in the world regarding the mysterious realm of the unexplained. The Encounters Paranormal Radio Series, as heard on WBZT, 1230 a.m. Encountersbroadcasting.com Hi, this is Luke. And this is Tobin from Quest Research. Hey, Tobin, what do you get when four guys with absolutely no video experience whatsoever decide to produce their own online paranormal TV show? I don't know what. Oh, wait. I do know. Ghost Diaries, right? That's right. You can check us out and get involved at www.questresearch.net and 
good thing about being you is that we will only get better. Side of the Moon, Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit our website at darkersideradio.com. From horror movies to the paranormal, we cover it all. It's a spooky, weird, and zany kind of show. With your hosts, Laura Moon and Becky Ray. Don't miss it. I'd like to share a recent experience uh, where I strongly believe that I encountered a shadow person. When I looked... It was January 5th, 2046. I just, you know, 
I want to find an explanation for it. I want to rule it out as, you know, something that was logical. There are many things we have yet to learn about and understand. Join us here at Supernatural Existence and learn about the many mysteries of the universe. Feel free to subscribe via any of your favorite podcast directories, including iTunes, or check us out on the Supernatural Existence website at www.globi.com. The mysteries are waiting to be understood. I really want to see something supernatural with my own eyes. Not hear it or think I heard it or anything like that. Actually see it with my own eyes, capture it on camera. Hear something weird or something like that. This is Ghostly Time. More multitasking there. Good job. Yeah, you are the I'm master. So Changing up the bumps here, man. Thanks to obituary for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget, all, all the music played on Ghostly Talk is independent. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's no, all, yeah, all these guys, uh, I, it's been cool talking to all these guys and going, hey man, you know, we, you mind if we use your stuff for the show? And they're like, yeah, that'd be cool, man. It's so, totally awesome. We actually, that metal band we played earlier was a band called Hollow's Eve out of New Jersey that has Ooh. been around since the early, early days since I was a kid. And, uh, they send me CDs whenever they release a new album, they send me a disc for the show now. So thanks guys, we, I appreciate it. And everybody here appreciates us letting you use your music and stuff like that. So more to come here. What's going on, Doug? Who do we have coming up here? Well, speaking of, like when we were kids, this is amazing because yeah. we have uh, Tony Saletti, who's been investigating the paranormal for 39 years. Even I was a kid 39 years ago, which is amazing. <laughs> Whoa. 39 years and has just finished his book entitled Fort Mifflin, A Paranormal History. Mm. The book is about the history of the paranormal activity that takes place in and around Fort Mifflin. Tony has spent hundreds of hours studying Fort Mifflin and its historical context and many more hundreds of hours of paranormal investigation at the fort. The book examines the stories of, and now this is really, really cool because it's got it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Screaming Lady, the Faceless Man. We got a Screaming Lady too. Her name's Bonnie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to have a Nutless Man. Oh. <laughs> the Screaming Lady, the Faceless Man. Yeah, well, Doug did start the show. <laughs> Sorry. The desecrated graveyard, the lamplighter, the children and dogs, the drowned man, the sad man, and a Philadelphia experiment connection, and many others. Yes, yes, This is going to be be awesome. I want everybody to go to www.aparanormalhistory.com. And a paranormal history is no spaces, no hyphens, no nothing. You just write it all out. www.aparanormalhistory.com. And Ghosty Taco would like to welcome to the show, Tony Saletti. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Um, And... Obviously, yeah. we're excited about all this. And I'm having the phenomena major, you, and yeah. the history and everything like that. So let's dig in. How did you get um, thirty? Well, thirty-nine with, years. The start. Yeah, that's been wow. quite quite a while. So, how did you get acquainted with uh, Fort Mifflin and its history and everything like that? What draw, drew drew you to that? Well, actually, at the time, I was a cub Cub Scout, soon to become a Boy Scout, and my dad had gotten a letter from the uh, society that was running Fort Mifflin at the time asking for the help, help of Boy Scouts to help clean up the fort for the bicentennial. So this was 1968, 1969. Mm-hmm. And I first got there in 1969. And uh, 
Speaking of the my eight. Speaking of the bicentennial, it sounds like the bicentennial celebration is happening behind you. <laughs> <laughs> or is, there's a parade. Or there's a parade going on. Is is uh, I, I don't know. Is is there? Do you hear music in the line, Tony? Yeah, I can hear music in the line. Yes. Is that is that? Oh, you know what it is. I think I I think it's my neighbor's telev- te- television. I live uh, in a row home. Okay. Okay. Oh man, that's tell. And a hell of a TV's got there. No, it's so interesting because, well, you know, they'll pick those little um, microphones. Yeah, they're real sensitive. They're going to pick up any, you know. We just heard that. the weirdest things, and and that's really interesting. I hope we hear a ghost, too. (laughs) I'm sorry to interrupt, but but go ahead and um, uh, where were we? We were Oh, we were Cub Scouts becoming a Boy Scout. Yeah, and uh, we went down with my scout troop to help clean up the fort. Now, the fort was in deplorable condition at that point. It was well overgrown. It had not been Uh really cleaned up since 1952. So nature came came back and took it. It, it, The fort used to be on an island. Now it's landlocked. Uh, They diked off the inland waterway of the fort to make more grazing land for cattle. And so what used to be an island is now a fort on the mainland of Pennsylvania. Okay. Wow. And it sounds so dramatic with that neighbor's TV. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it became, soundtrack. But I'm familiar with this concept of, of nature taking over uh, a historic site because the same thing happened to the uh, historic Octagon House yeah, here yeah. In, in Utica, Michigan, yep. where it was just, you know, after so many years, it really does just take over. So so I completely understand. So, so there was a lot of work to do, Tony, and that's how you became familiar with it. And did you fall in love with this place or did it just sort of happen or did you have an experience how did that work well i fell in love with the place as a fort right um my dad was in the army air corps during world war ii and you know i it was something that a father and son did together to you know bond you know we were there to honor the men and women who had served through over the years at the fort by helping clean it up and getting it ready for the 200th anniversary of the country so we were there just, it was bulwark. It was hot in the summer, you know. I, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're you familiar with the Philadelphia area. It's uh, when you're down by the river, there's mosquitoes, there's high humidity, much like uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Was, because this area is once a swamp. It was, you know, as I had described. So we were there, and I was working on the water battery. That was an area outside the, the line of the fort, the walls of the fort, where they had cannons placed during the siege of 1777. Now, there was a good breeze, though hot, coming off the, the river. And while I was there, I kept smelling pipe tobacco. Now, unlike today, in 1969, almost all adults smoked. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. no one was smoking either a pipe or a cigar that day, but it just kept coming and coming and coming. And later on in my research, I, I discovered that what I was probably experienced was a olfactory manifestation of a discarnate entity mm-hmm. or a haunting experience to say it to say it the way most people would understand it interesting what did you when when it was actually happening did you just think oh that's weird oh that's really weird i mean what um but didn't think about it much other than it being really weird or what or is it something that you actually related to somebody thought it was important enough to say oh my gosh dad or or some of the other workers or or when you were home or did you relate it to somebody or was it something you kept to yourself no i mean i kept asking i said who's smoking a pipe ah and and eventually my dad came over uh and i said hey dad i said uncle nick smokes a pipe 
and I, I can smell it. It's not his tobacco, but it's very it's a pipe tobacco. I know it's not a pipe tobacco. And he says, I haven't seen anybody here all day with a pipe, and that's what started to keen my interest on. You know, why was I smelling pipe tobacco on a very windy day on the river when there was nowhere around was, and it was thick smoke. I mean, it wasn't visible smoke, but it was a thick odor of pipe. I don't know if any of you know, have any friends who are pipe smokers, but you can tell when it's like it's right next to you. Yeah, my grand my grandfather used to smoke a pipe back in the day when I was a kid, and that uh, that scent overpowers you <laughs> if you're right there. So I know when you say the, the when you describe it as a thick smell. I know what you're talking about exactly because it, it, it's a very it's a it's not pungent but it's just very thick yeah. and it really overpowers your, yeah. your 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 nose and stuff like that. So I know exactly what you're talking about, Tony. Yeah, and and as you know, if you with with a relative that did, you should have been seeing the pipe person with the pipe. Right. Well, I yeah, I did. <laughs> he was very much alive then. He's passed away now, unfortunately. But yeah, my grandfather was very much alive, so I could see that. So no, so but you were not seeing anybody. Obviously, you were just smelling this pipe tobacco. Yeah, I was just smelling the pipe tobacco. And that was my first experience at Fort Mifflin with the, with the paranormal. Uh, the first of many. How many? How many folks? Um, uh, were involved in this activity of cleaning up the fort because obviously it was you know having having been you know abandoned and not cared for for so long it was a big project um was it a, a volunteer organization what you know or how did that how did people come to care for it and want to clean it up there was a society that was in place at the time the shakamakan society mm-hmm. um, and it named after a tribe of indians from the area and they were the ones that were basically had taken the, the lead in helping getting the fort ready. And when I say getting the fort ready, um, the center of the fort is three feet below sea level. And there's Delaware, the Delaware River is a tidal river. So with any type of a high tide, you can get flooding all the time. So the rich silt of the river all the time would, would you know, the, the plants went wild. I mean, to the point where... There were there were trees growing out of brick walls, you know, small trees. Mm-hmm. And on the second floors of buildings, there were trees growing on the second floors of buildings that had not been taken care of. So it was a group of volunteers. And I would say about a, on the Saturdays that we'd go in there and we'd stay overnight and, and start work on again Sunday, uh, and then we'd go to church, there would be about 100, 100 adults and 100 uh, uh, scouts. That is awesome. That that I I applaud you for that. I I know it was uh, a while ago, but that you were looking at this task that had to be monumental, and everybody pitched in. I I think that's amazing. Well, you know, my dad's generation, and I guess it'd be some of your dad's or grandfather's generation. Mm-hmm. They were the greatest generation. I mean, they fought back fascism and they won. Mm-hmm. So when they came back and they saw a problem, they just tackled it head on. And sometimes it was picking away at it a piece at a time like we were doing, but we we solved the problem that was there. We returned the fort to a viewable edifice for Americans for the Bicentennial in 76. Well, you know, and I'm sure we're going to get into the hauntings a lot more and stuff like that, but there is an issue. I mean, let's get into this right now because this is important, I think. There is an issue right now. We've learned this throughout the show. We talked about this the first half hour. That there, the, the, basically, you know, there is a website. Let's, let's get this website out there too. Savefortmifflin.com. Uh, dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Sorry. Yeah. I, just, I Googled it. <laughs> so I just clicked on the, the Google thing. So savefortmifflin.org. Uh, out there for people to check out. Now, what's going on with this? 
exactly. Because I've seen, like I told you earlier, we we talked earlier in the day today, Tony, and I said, you know, I've been hearing about some buzzing about this. What exactly is happening here? I want to hear what's going on. Okay, what happened basically is with the downturn in the economy, the the city of Philadelphia is cutting back drastically on everything that it administers. Um, you folks are not East Coasters, but you've probably heard of the Mummers Parade that happens on New Year's Day in uh-huh. Philadelphia. Yes. Well, it's it's an internet it's it's a local event that has international attraction to it. I mean, people people plan to come to see the parade. It's it's an old tradition from England where you bring in the New Year's with with loud noise and music and and, and party, and it's just a colorful exuberant way of celebrating your community. And uh, the, the closest thing for our, the other listeners, I would say close to it would be Mardi Gras or uh, Mardi Gras in, Los, in um, New Orleans uh-huh. or down in Rio de Janeiro when they celebrate just before uh, Easter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Carnival? Carnival. Carnival. Yeah. I, I'm so, sorry. I, I apologize. Mm-hmm. And... So it's it's that way. There's costumes, there's music, there's competition. Neighborhoods are, are vying against other neighborhoods for, you know, token prizes for the you know the pride of being the best. And the city of Philadelphia like announces like November third that they have no money to run the parade. I mean, they literally saying if you don't come up with the money to pay the policemen and the people who are going to clean up after the parade, we're not going to let you run it. Wow. And that's how bad it is in the city. So. Fort Mifflin, even though it is a national historic landmark and a a battlefield, a national historic battlefield site, and it, it, there's like 14 buildings there, and they each each in their own, they're classified as a as historic landmarks. Yeah, they, they basically said, well, we don't we don't have any operating money for you, so you either find the operating money yourself or you close the doors. <laughs> Wow. So this is pretty much what we, I mean, this is what we, we were told a little earlier, too, is that they're just, we have no more money to give you guys. We can't pay the employees anymore to maintain this place. You, you'd think, you know, I understand that there's there's infrastructure that has to be paid for in a city, and there's things that have, that have to take precedence. To, you know, like you know, we gotta make sure the sewage system works. <laughs> we gotta we gotta pay those people, right? We gotta make sure that our our electricity works and things like that. Uh, so there are things that take precedence. That's totally cool. But it's you think that something with a city that would bring people there, tourists and things there to check out this place, they would put some money into that because it does. It would imagine it would draw some income for them. But they're not doing that apparently. It sounds like Tony. No, and for whatever reason, that's it is what it is as my son so aptly says. Mm-hmm. So we we have to stay, in, when I say we, we the people, because, again, when we talk about government, you know, we are the government, and but we really have little control over how the government spends the money they collect from us. Right. Uh, so what we need to do is, and this is, this is something that myself and a few other people in the paranormal community have done, we've gotten the word out. And the word's gotten out well. Yeah. It's, it's people are rallying, and... Here's another interesting thing. People that come to Fort Mifflin for the first time to do a paranormal investigation, they, they, when they're leaving, one of the quotes they put in there is, you know, I'm really interested in the paranormal, really never thought about too much about my country's history, but when, I, after, when, you, when you go to Fort Mifflin, like, we, like I did, mm-hmm. you, you can't leave and not appreciate what the people who came before us did so that we could be free. I mean, it's that inspiring a place. Well, any place we've gone to, I mean, these historic uh, sites, 
That's one thing I always tell people is that, you know, of course we're here to hunt ghosts. That's a big thing. Right. That's the number one thing we're here. We're here to ghost hunt. We're going to take pictures, audio, whatever it may be. But, you know, there's a good chance you may not get anything on film. There's a good chance you might not be able to get anything on your uh, your audio recorder, whatever it may be. But you should take a note of whatever place it may be. Look at this place and appreciate it for what it is and the history that is you know encompasses this. Fort Mifflin, and you know, is a perfect example of that. I mean, you don't just you, you go there if you want to go there to ghost town. That's great. I mean, that's what you're if that's what you're there to do. But there is this aspect of history that you have to take into account, and you know that alone I think is worth the trip if you're going to go out there to visit Fort Mifflin. Right, and then any. Ghostly activity would be a bonus. A, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, even if that's even yeah. if that's your, you know, your thing, uh, you know, the that's I mean, that's something you can grasp. That's something very tangible, right? You know, and that's why I think people should embrace that more. And that ties in with what we're talking about here, Tony, as far as you know, saving this place and keeping the doors open for people to come in there and visit this place over and over again. Well, what have they? What what options would they explore? Like, would they turn it over to the park service? Because I, I think the park service would. Because of the battlefield tie-in, I think that yeah. they would end up being able to take it. Of course, that would close it off to ghost hunters. But well, yeah. well, I mean, that, that's about the only thing I can think of. If, if it remains well, in Philadelphia's hands, then there's a, a lot more. Well, they're obviously not doing anything. <laughs> they're out well, of money. Well, they can't afford to. Yeah. They're, they're out of money, so they can't do that. So, what? My question for you, Tony, was what can you know? What can the average citizen who lives there, or maybe not even there, you know, if you know, what can me? What can I do to help out all the way here from Michigan to help out your guys' cause to try to keep this structure around? If you go to fortmifflin.us, the mm-hmm. website, there's a donation page there. Now, sometime by Tuesday or Wednesday, there should be a PayPal link on it. Okay. There is not one at this time. Okay. The only thing they, they have, they have a secure page for credit cards, and you can always send a check, and they give the, the address. Uh, but... PayPal, I think, is what the, most of the people that, that would listen to the show would use. They feel comfortable with it. They feel safe with it. Yeah. They've already put, entered all the information. So um, if you'd wait till the middle of the week and go there, you will probably find a PayPal. And you know what? You, with Like other things in PayPal, send what you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there are membership incentives, which are on the site. Uh, you can... Coming this week, you can pick one of the membership levels and uh, a uh, become a member of Fort Mifflin on the Delaware for ongoing work, uh-huh. and again, pay through PayPal. Um, if you live in the area, uh, stop by. Stop by and make a donation. I mean, even though the fort is quote-unquote closed, we do have someone there every day from 7.30 to 2.30 in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one... The executive director basically took a, a 50% cut in pay while not taking a cut in hours to try to keep this place open. Well, that's a gentleman fantastic. by the name of Lee Anderson. That's fantastic. And, yeah, uh, his wife's 100% behind him on it, uh, and he's just doing this to try to get us through, you know, the rough times. Well, you know, that's somebody. We yeah, always talk only CEOs would think that way. Well, no, and well, I was just going to say, that, you know, we talk about it so much on the show here is just, you know, short sightedness. You know, right. and that some people think, well, geez, I could, God forbid I take a pay cut, you know. But, you know, if you had some type of vision to go, look, you know, it's going to be tough here, but I know by, by making this sacrifice in the long run, it'll work out for all of us. It'll be great. And that's someone, you know, you said Lee Anderson? 
Yeah, Lee Anderson's the executive director. Yeah, uh, that's somebody that's fantastic, and I, I I salute a person like that who has that kind of vision and go, you know what, I'm going to make a sacrifice here for the good that I think it's gonna it's gonna help people out, all of us out down the road, and that's what it's all about, I think, really. And yeah, let me tell you, he was he wasn't making big dollars to begin with. I mean, yeah. it's a not for profit organization. His if you want to dig into it, you can see what he was making. He's making half that right now. Yeah. And again, wow. thank his wife too. He's supported by his wife on this. Oh. You know, wife that and family. Good. So it's not just like a guy going out, a single guy going out and doing it on his own. You have to remember, there's a commitment of a whole family for this. Mm. So I'm thinking, if, if if and they're able to do it. Enough said about that. But give what you can. If you can't give, write. Say hey. How about some funding for the fort? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, pass the link, the links on that you see on other sites. Um, keep passing the message on. Well, that's a good um, use for for MySpace right there. You know, I mean, that, and I've seen that. I told you that today, Tony. That when we, I'm like, you know, I, 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 you know, I went on, uh, you know, Satan's website, aka MySpace, there, and <laughs> and I and I saw people posting, you know, stuff like say Fort Mifflin up there. So it's it's a good tool to use that for. Get the word out there, so people can, you know, people can take action on something like this. Yeah, I don't, I, I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is, but it's either MySpace.com/slash Save Fort Mifflin or it's Facebook Save Fort Mifflin. One of them is that, and the other one is one of those, uh, I think Facebook does, uh, where people are trying to collect money type of uh, pages also. Uh-huh. But uh, if you Google it, that's the answer for everything. You'll find it. Yeah. And, oh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. Like, I, I, have, I have received personally over 4,000 emails since this started. And I spend time every day a- a- answering these people individually. And the ideas that have come up, one person is can't come to the meeting. We have a meeting on February 7th at 5 p.m. That's a Saturday at the Ford Hospital. Mm. It's a town hall meeting, grassroots, trying to solve the problem, put our heads together. Yeah. One woman said, I really can't make it. You know, it's like a 300-mile drive, and I have to be at work on Sunday afternoon. But I'm a geocacher, mm-hmm. and I had, didn't really know about geocaching. She explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And she says, let's put a geocache on the the property, the public land right in front of the fort, uh-huh. this will bring people to the fort. I go, that's a great idea. So great idea. that's the whole idea of like linking this out to everybody because everybody can think of something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, and that, the MySpace page is, uh, you know, myspace.com slash save Fort Mifflin. That's that. You were correct on that, Tony. So you guys can go there and uh, I guess add yourself on there and, you know, to support these people and get the word out. So that's, that's another big thing too. Uh, it sounds like it's a great cause. I think it's something that needs to happen, and I really want to make sure we talked about that tonight because I think it's really, really, really important. And I think that um, after, because we, we've got what um, Bonnie Bonnie Vent coming up, right? Yeah, we got we got paranormal news here coming paranormal up. Paranormal news coming up. In a we moment. come back though. I want to get into the good stuff. I want yeah. to talk about a little bit. We've we've only touched on the history. I mean, I I love this stuff that's going on. I think that it's important. I think that we do need to get the word out. Yeah, definitely. But I want to I want to hear the the really juicy stuff from a ghost hunter's point of view. A little bit of history. You know, well, this whole Philadelphia experiment thing we need to get into. That's and really I want to get important. Into Philadelphia, and then of course. The ghosts. I mean, who doesn't want to hear about the ghosts of Fort Mifflin? Oh, yeah, totally. You cool with that, Tony? There's some great, uh, juicy ghost stories. That yes. sounds great. Why don't we take a quick break so let's hang tight here. And for while me. we're doing that, uh, fire up your browsers. A Paranormal History. <laughs> 
Mifflin.com. Where's that coming from? That's coming from the Fort Mifflin, uh, save Fort Mifflin, yeah, Fort Mifflin, uh, MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought the volume up and I forgot I had that. Oh, that's pretty. All right, I just killed it. All right, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> you just surprised me. I'm like, what's that going on? Fire, fire up your web browsers and go to Listen w- to that great w- song, yeah. com because we're talking to Tony Saletti about, mm-hmm. uh, about Fort Mifflin more after this. Ghostly talk! <laughs> Shadow governments, strange rituals, new world Shadow order, governments, strange buried treasures, planetary mind it's a strange world. Visit OutThereRadio.net for more information. Welcome to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio. Paranormal News is produced by Genesis Creations Entertainment. I'm your host, Bonnie Vent. San Diego Paranormal is an affiliate for Sideshow Collectibles and Collectibles Today. From the Munsters to Scary Movie and even Pirates of the Caribbean, we've got you covered. How about a statue of Elvira for your desk? Please go to www.sdparanormal.com and look for Sideshow Collectibles and Haunted Collectibles on the left-hand navigation bar. The face of the Wayne County Historical Museum's mummy hasn't been seen for thousands of years, but soon area residents will be able to watch as a forensic artist reconstructs its features. Brenda Robertson-Stewart is an Indianapolis painter, sculptor, and forensic artist specializing in reconstructing skulls for identification purposes, generally in crimes. However, she is donating her skills to the museum to bring to life the face of the museum's mummy. Museum founder Julia Meeks Gar purchased the mummy during a 1929 visit to Cairo, Egypt. It's Stewart's project now to uncover another of the mummy's secrets, what he looked like. Measurements and photos will help her build a replica of the skull that will serve as the base for the reconstruction of the face. She expects building the replica to take about a month. Once the replica skull is complete, Stuart will return to the museum to compare it to the real thing. After she is sure that the replica is correct, Stuart will begin reconstructing the face, working on it at the museum where visitors can watch the progress. Most of Stewart's forensic reconstruction work is sadly related to homicides. She didn't see any evidence of deadly trauma in the mummy's skull, though. Stewart's effort to make the mummy's face lifelike are being filmed by independent Indianapolis filmmaker Dan T. Hall, who got her involved in the project. Hall did some filming in the museum as part of his paranormal documentary, Ghost Stories 2, Unmasking the Dead. The film shows how Hall, with the help of a psychic and team of paranormal investigators, made an attempt to communicate with the mummy. 
The 140-foot-high Colorado Street Bridge is an impressive crossing in Southern California, which rests on the original Route 66. This bridge is known for a number of suicides which have occurred since 1913 when the bridge was completed. Six years after the construction, the first suicide took place, and it is now estimated that more than a 100 people have plummeted to their deaths from the heights, although it has been argued that figures are closer to 200. Many of these suicides are blamed on the Great Depression of the 1930s. Researchers who have investigated the bridge claim that many people have been lured to their death by a ghost of a construction worker who allegedly fell to his death six months before the structure was finished. At the time, no one was sure about the incident because the worker was said to have plummeted into a concrete pit used to support one of the pillars of the bridge. His body was never found. For more information on these stories, please go to www.sdparanormal.com and the Paranormal News feed page. Don't forget, sign up for a free subscription to Paranormal News. Thanks for joining us today on Paranormal News. If you'd like to sponsor or advertise on Paranormal News, please send us an email at paraxnews at aol.com. You can listen to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio at www.ghostlytalk.com. Please check out their other fine shows. Or you can join us at paranormalnews.mypodcast.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Bonnie Bent. What are we made of? Why do I get sick? How can I live a more balanced and whole life? These are just a few of the questions explored each week by naturopath, medical intuitive, and clairvoyant Dr. Rita Louise on Just Energy Radio. Explore your possibilities every Friday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Join us at JustEnergyRadio.com. You are invoking the spirits to help you. But the forces they represent are so sinister and powerful. You shall be a toy in the hands. Talking about Fort Mifflin tonight, the fort that saved America. Yep, with uh, author Tony Saletti. We're gonna get into some of the ghost stuff now. We uh, talked about a bit of history the last half hour. Doug is having a coughing fit here. Hope you enjoyed that, pal, Mal. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're gonna get into some of the ghost stuff now, which I think is really cool. And this whole Philadelphia experiment connection. 
we'll have to hold off, right? Ah. But let's get into some of these ghost stories, Tony. From Ford okay, my favorite. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. My favorite, and that of my wife, Barbara's, is the the, the, the story of the, the screaming woman. Um, people have heard blood-curdling screams echoing through the fort to the point where Southwest detectives, the uh, district detectives who uh, patrol that part of uh, the uh, city of Philadelphia, uh-huh. would come down on calls about a woman in distress, and you'd never find anything. The fort was locked up tight. They examined it. Well, a psychic had come there in the 1990s, and she had centered on the second floor of the officer's quarters. And she said that it was a woman named Elizabeth, and this Elizabeth was a officer's wife. Mm-hmm. And she felt that Elizabeth and her daughter Elizabeth had had a falling out over her daughter marrying beneath her station. Now, this is the 1800s, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, right after the Revolution. And she threw her daughter out of the family. Well, during one of the uh, red, the yellow fever epidemics in Philadelphia, her daughter was said to have died, and this sent her mother into uncontrollable grief. I mean, she had never been able to reconcile the, her relationship with her daughter. Yeah. And then... It was said in in the legend, because of the psychic, that that Elizabeth hung herself from the second story of the officers' quarters. Oh boy! Now, mm-hmm. when I was researching Fort Mifflin, because I you know I, I research history and paranormal, I found that there was an Elizabeth there. Her name was Elizabeth Pratt. Here's where the story changes. Okay. Elizabeth Pratt was a sergeant's wife. And she did have a daughter named Elizabeth. Now, these are also in the records of Fort Mifflin uh, and, and in the National Archives. Uh, I'm thinking the psychic might have done a little research before she made it into the fort. Well, well uh, wait a minute. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, uh, That's not, not good, good, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, because uh, when, you, when you study older handwriting, Sometimes letters look different, numbers look different when they actually are. Right. Well, it, in fact, Elizabeth Pratt did die in 1804. Uh-huh. Well, the problem was that the officers' quarters weren't built to 1814. 1804. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. Okay. All right. Now, her daughter was named Elizabeth, and she died in 1803 from fever. Okay. Now, these these are right in the fort's uh, records. And before her daughter Elizabeth died, an infant Pratt died. Um, it was not uncommon at the time of a, of a child died soon after childbirth. It was never given a name, so history never recorded whether it was, was a boy child or a girl child. Uh-huh. Now, that being said, there, Elizabeth, after losing two children in a row and then dying, you know, then contracting whatever disease she contracted herself and died, could have been screaming in the fort, but not on the second floor of the officers' quarters. Because it wasn't even in existence for another nine years. Yeah. Now, there there was in 1863 an Elizabeth Bunker who could have been in those officers' quarters. Her husband was a non-commissioned officer, and she died of gastritis. And I have her, in my book, I have her death certificate from the Philadelphia coroner's office in, in the book. You can, you can, when you read it, you can see the doc, some of the documents that I, that I they, uh, found to back up my suppositions in the book. Ah. Now... The 
the very interesting thing was when we were doing uh, our uh, candlelight ghost tours this year, uh, my wife had uh, a problem with one of her legs, and so she was sitting back at the Ford Hospital, which we use for, you know, uh, greeting guests. And Lorraine Irby, who is the uh, coordinator, scheduling coordinator for Ford Irby, uh, for uh, Fort Mifflin, says, you got to hear this story. Well, there was a, dos- a docent there, a part-time docent, who was one was related to the, not to the Pratts, but the Platts, another old Philadelphia family. And he said that he never really even dreams, but he had this very vivid dream of this woman coming saying, my name is Elizabeth Pratt. And he said, well, you, you mean Platt. You're, you're one of my ancestors. And she says, no, Elizabeth Pratt. She goes, and I'm, I'm, I, I am happy that my story has finally been told correctly. So in a way... As, as as paranormal investigators, one of our duties is to sometimes to have, we have clients who we try to find an answer for. Well, in this case, the client that we had was Elizabeth Pratt. And through another person, she told that, you know, she was glad that she was no longer being told, be called a woman who hung herself, took her own life, but her true story was told. So it's, it's, it's kind of one of those the circle of life things where you get what, all paranormal investigators get a, a resolution for the client. In this case, the client had been dead for over 200 years. Well, there really a lot of times there isn't really a resolution for the client. Mm-hmm. A lot, I mean, a lot of places you go to. I mean, it, that's one of these few, I guess, you could call a verifiable situations. Well, it's not verifiable, but it well, is. Well, not, but it not is. conclusively like there is a ghost here. But somebody came forward and said, okay, you know, through another person said, you know, thank you for clearing my story. This is what's happened here. So it's a lot more meat than most stories have as far as trying to get some answers. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, that, I mean, a lot of times you can't, uh, you, you don't get those kind of answers. You right. Just, and you know, this is really, really interesting because uh, it sounds like there's like the mix up of Elizabeth's, right? Yeah. And how did the Elizabeth name even get into it in the first place? But yeah. um, all of that's uh, fascinating, but it doesn't. Um, yet, as far as I know, help explain the screaming lady yeah, and what no. people do when they hear it. I mean, the cops have been called out. You know, detectives have been searching the building and and they the, never the, the find this itself. lady. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so how how often is she heard? Does, does she, is it is it like um, one of those that happens on the same day or only in the full moon <laughs> on a foggy night? Or is, there, <laughs> I, I, or is it uh, random? Just random. Yeah. It seems to be random because uh, the fort was a, tw- you know, from 1771 to 1952, it was an active military fort, sometimes demobilized, but there was always somebody there. So this happens dozens of times during the year, but different times of the day and night. Now, my investigations at Fort Mifflin showed that there's more activity during the day than at night, but then again, the most activity at a military base, unless the, the nation's on war footing, is during the day. Mm-hmm. So... These discarded entities that we that we were trying to explain would more logically be more active during the day than at night. Uh, again, I, I my study of the paranormal goes back to the 1960s, and I I was there at a time when uh, the the people I was first working with were New Age hippies, <laughs> and they were but they were college professors. And doctors and lawyers uh-huh. who were studying the paranormal in their spare time. Yeah. And, you know, I was too young to be a paranormal investigator, as we know today, but times were different then. 
And I learned a lot from these people. And it's, it's, it's amazing on how with, like with, we used, uh, reel to reel tape recorders to do EVP work. We used compasses to check uh, differentiations in the magnetic field. Yeah. But we still got results. And this was during, I mean, a lot of this, this goes back to what you were saying, uh, that you did, a, this work was done during the day also. There was no differentiation between the day and the nighttime as far as activity is concerned. Yeah, you know, I, I really think I really think this lights off thing, and not to put anybody down, is more or less the funhouse factor. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I can yeah. only believe that. I think that that's yeah. That's I the don't point I was driving to is that you know, I also uh, agree. I don't, I'm I'm unsure that ghosts are afraid of the. I've seen the some light, fantastic. You know. I mean, some really interesting photos taken. You know, that, full daylight. Full daylight. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, the whole lights off thing. I mean, we've heard that you know, well, they you know, if they illuminate, you'll see them easier in the camera and all this and blah blah blah. And I don't think there's much of a difference that you have to wait till you know the the sun goes down to start ghost hunting. I think it is just a Hollywood type thing. Yeah, I also don't think there's a dead hour or whatever the heck they call or dead it. Dead time, yeah, dead time or whatever. Yeah, but that's when we're sleeping. That's what dead time is. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. So that, yeah, that's interesting to hear that though from somebody you know who's been doing this for a while. <laughs> right. Uh, Quite a while. For you to say, you know, yeah, we didn't. We, there's been a lot of activity even during the day there, so I find that really cool. Yeah, and like at Fort Mifflin, you go there during the day, and because it's a not visited uh, national monument, yeah, you pay your six bucks, and you can go in and do paranormal investigations for six dollars. And they and they and they're cool with that. I mean, the people there, because I mean, we know there's places, or you know, nowadays even more so, there's certain landmarks or historical sites that. If you go there and you pay, which is a lot more than $6 sometimes to visit some of these places, they frown upon that. It depends who they're run by. If well, it's yeah. run by a park service, no. You can't even. Yeah. They, the, they wouldn't let you. No. Fort Mifflin is paranormal friendly. In fact, the, the, the majority of the support coming to Fort Mifflin now is the paranormal community. I mean, they're rallying around it. It's That's right. wonderful. Fantastic. But you want ghost stories, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to know um, about... Because this is a fort, and I picture uh, a work, you know, obviously a working fort protecting the country, uh, servicemen, and and things like that. Where, where do children and dogs fit in? Well, the thing is, just like a, 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 a military installation, now families live there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and children are really interesting. I placed them in in 1854 just after the uh, Second Seminole Wars in, in, uh, and then the Mexican excursion. And uh, a family came to Fort Mifflin. It was the commandant who had served his country, and he was reunited with his wife. And in it, it, t- it talks about, in, in the, the letters that him and his wife exchanged through their, through their life, you could tell that these people were really in love with these. These are two people that were in love with each other. Yeah. It wasn't just like a just like a marriage of convenience, and um, the colonel's name was uh, uh, Brevet Le- Le- Brevet Lieutenant Colonel Lucian Bonaparte Webster. What a, what a moniker! Man, wow! And uh, he he um, had served his country, and his wife had served his country by being an army wife. You know, let's not discount the the, the sacrifice that women and their families put out for the men who serve us. Mm-hmm. Well. They they got transferred to Fort Mifflin, and the biographer of the family says that when you read and I read the letters too. When you read the letters, you can see that this was the happiest time of their marriage since since they got married, and and even afterwards that 
and even the dismal place at Fort Mifflin, they enjoyed themselves there. Um, in one of their letters, it talks, uh, the, the wife of the, the uh, colonel talks about the children, and it talks about the children, names them. Josephine looks puny and delicate. I feel quite anxious about her health. Emma and Fanny are healthy and rugged as possible. And when they're all, when they all get together romping with their dogs, they make the old ramparts ring with their hilarious shouts. What's well, those? You remember sometimes these these paranormal events are happy events, not just sad events. Yeah. So I think that the children that are heard are these, and this is just one family that was there. This just mentions children and dogs, and these are the sounds that come together. This could be them. This could be a residual manifestation of their happiness at the fort. Well, why not? I mean, if you want to get into the whole idea of emotion, we've talked about that a gazillion times here. Uh, it doesn't always have to be. We've always said strong emotions. And one of those ones that have come up is love. Not just, you know, anger or fear or whatever. We've said love. And, I mean, love and happiness and other things, extreme happiness. There are some people, uh, suffice to say, that may be hard to believe right now that are really, really happy. And there was people back then <laughs> that were really, really happy, right? Uh, and that could imprint itself on the environment also. I, I think that would, that would be just as viable as, you know, I hate to say it, a murder <laughs> or somebody being really freaked out or extreme anger. It could imprint just the same, I think, Tony. Yeah, and there's a sad part to that story also. Francis Webster, the uh, lieutenant colonel's wife, yeah. um, soon after they got back together again, they did what couples often do, and they renewed their marriage vows. And yeah. Unfortunately, that child died. Oh. And that child died at the fort. Oh, so, no. again, you have the full ethos of emotion that flows through this fort. It's, 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 it's a wonderful story beyond the paranormal, but just that, that how human beings will what they'll do so that they can keep themselves free and keep others free. I mean, they, they give of themselves. Uh-huh. And again, it's just that strong emotion, I think. that I that I agree with that. I don't see anything, any difference between the two, actually. Because, of course, we hear a lot of, you know, a lot of stories you hear are always, well, there was a murder here. <laughs> Somebody right. was killed. Right, right. You know, that's why it's, there's, it's being haunted. But I think, you know, we hear of stories of children playing all the time. You know, a lot of stories about children that you hear, you can hear children playing or, or you can hear songs being sung and things like that. Um, and that sounds like a pretty happy thing. I mean, most children, when they're that young, you know, their first 10 years of life, all they really know how to do is love, I think. They don't really know. They're not, they haven't been conditioned to the point where they have that hard exterior, like, you know, when you turn about 11. <laughs> you, you, yes. yes. You know, so, I mean, that stuff makes perfect sense to me. What else? I think a place, yeah. I think a place there at the fort that, um, people would be interested because yeah. in, I, I, I hope that a lot of ghost hunters out there are like, wow, yeah, if they, if they out. have heard of this place, th- this might be like, oh, yeah, and I've heard now. I've heard more. I've heard the stories. Right. I got to go there, or um, or if they hadn't heard of this place, I hope yeah. you check it out. Yeah. You know, at at uh, upparanormalhistory dot com and and safefortmifflin dot org. But mm-hmm. um, one place I know that always attracts ghost hunters, no matter what side of any fake controversy you're on, you know, do ghosts hang around in graveyards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that sounds like it would attract a lot of people. Yeah. And I know I would walk around in it. There's a desecrated graveyard? Yeah. What happened was the uh, the fort used to be an island. And originally, the the people, when they died at the fort, because remember, we didn't do embombings and we didn't have funeral homes back in the, the Revolutionary War, yeah. were buried right outside the fort, right outside the walls of the fort on, on the island. 
and this went on for a while. In fact, Elizabeth Pratt, the daughter Elizabeth, and the, and the infant Elizabeth were also built right, buried right outside of it. And it's, it was kind of hard for me to track down where this cemetery was until I went uh, dug a little deeper, and it, there was a commandant that was there. In this place, time he was a captain, and when he was stationed there. He had, he had again. He was another another officer that had come up from doing battle with the Native Americans in the in the South. Uh, you know when we stole their land from them, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> several times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> several on, times. On, yeah, but yeah. Well, uh, what happened was, in, it, it describes him collapsing on the the uh, the center parade ground, and he was dying. And there was a lot of gnashing of teeth because this was a band of brothers who had just fought a common enemy together, and they mm-hmm. loved their captain. He was he was a hard he was a hard I would say hard I can't say that word on TV, <laughs> on the radio, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But his men loved him because he was fair, and he treated them right. Mm-hmm. And he died. He died basically from um, what might have been malaria because the, the, the death certificate is kind of Im- ambiguous from the for the time. Yeah. But I'm thinking he might have contracted malaria and eventually died from it. And it describes him as being buried outside the fort, just beyond the moat on the meadow. Now, remember, we're still on an island, and mm-hmm. the description doesn't say across the me- across the moat, across the meadow, across the river on the mainland, but it says there. Mm-hmm. So then I have uh, when they they took when they reburied everybody because they, the the fort was going some through some changes. They married they buried this all the people that are there at an old. Uh, yellow fever station up the river they were then they were then un, they were then uh, taken again and then buried in the um, national cemetery system that was started right after the war between the states by Lincoln mm-hmm. Gettysburg being first mm-hmm. right and that's also where Elizabeth Pratt and her child are buried they're up they're they're uh, buried at the uh, national cemetery in Limekiln Pike uh, but when I say a desecrated graveyard, is there's an article from the 1912 uh, Philadelphia Inquirer talking about where the people knew basically when the government moved people out of graves, all they did was go in, open a grave, take a long bone out or a skull out, and they said, okay, this grave's empty now, and there were still bones left behind. Well, in 1912, people came in and they were doing some relic hunting, you know, you know, looking for souvenirs, uh-huh. and. The the, uh, the the uh the the Grand Army of the Republic and some other fraternal organizations were coming out to put decorations on the graves of the veterans that were left because they knew they were still there, and they had found recently dug graves where people and that's the desecrated graveyard that's at the fort. Ooh. Yeah. So I mean, is there any? Have we hit, like, as far as activities concerned? I mean, we have these desecrated graves, and we've heard the we've heard these stories before where you know. Somebody upsets up. the natural balance, and then all things go go haywire. Have they? What, what kind of experiences or things have been seen or heard there? It is basically a sense of un, an, un, un, unease at that point. Like uh-huh. you know, that's that old that old saying. I feel like I'm walking over somebody's grave. Oh, yeah, and yeah. again, I I think the emotions are because these people were long dead by the time where they were where they were by the time when they were being moved a second time. Yeah. What I think it is is I think it was the indignation of the of those those brave men that had fought in the war between the states, the Grand Army of the Republic, who had came there and found their their comrade in arms from previous wars graves desecrated, and I think it's that anger that's actually imprinted on the soil of Fort Mifflin. 
Wow. Very well could be. It very well could be. We got a couple minutes left, unfortunately. We have to talk about the Philadelphia experiment because <laughs> it's probably like our top three favorite things to talk about here on the show. Uh, Tony, so what, what's the relation? What, what, we have this thing uh, written here, but what, what, what's the relation between Fort Mifflin and the Philadelphia experiment? Well, the Fort Mifflin is just down the river from the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Okay. And the Philadelphia Navy Yard is where, when the ships were built, they were sent to the Philadelphia Navy Yard to have arms put on them, the cannons, machine guns, mm-hmm. the final fitting. And then the ship would drop down to Fort Mifflin, which was being used at the time for a magazine, for, for weapons. Mm-hmm. And the soldiers that were there, when the, 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 uh, the atmospheric conditions were just right, you could see St. Elmo's fire dancing across the tops of the superstructures of the battleships and the cruisers that were being built there. Mm-hmm. Because what they were doing was they were degaussing a ship. Now, you degauss a ship, to mm-hmm. change its magnetic signature mm-hmm. so that magnetic mines aren't attached to it. Yep. Right. That was the whole reason, and that's what they were doing. That was their original intention for the experiment. Right. And now, you know the part about the sailors appearing in a bar? Right. Well, yeah. Let me yeah. tell you, sailors appear in bars all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's what happens. In 1941, about a few months before the bombing of Pearl Harbor, there was a convoy that had left the East Coast with under Lend-Lease for Britain, and it was being escorted by some World War One-era battleships. And one and that one of those battleships was the first battleship that was sunk. One of our battleships sunk during World War Two by a German submarine. Mm-hmm. Now here comes the, the other part of the Fort the, uh, the Philadelphia experiment. What happened was the the, the nation was was outraged, and a hundred sailors' lives were lost, and they were published and the families were contacted. Well, there's a sailor that's in a bar in Philadelphia, and when the paper comes in, he reads his name as being one of the sailors who was lost at sea. Ah! So he goes he goes out to a phone, and I'm not quite sure if there was a phone in the house or it was a party line, or and calls his family and said, Hey, I was supposed to be stationed on that ship. I'm stationed at the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Uh-huh. And I have I have a letter to the editor from the, the the commandant of the Philadelphia Navy Yard saying, "Hey, this guy is actually here. He's on leave right now, but as soon as he gets back, we'll have him contact his family." Uh-huh. So you have a sailor that was at sea on a ship that appears in a bar in Philadelphia. So you put the 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 the, the sailor who miraculously appears from death's from death's door mm-hmm. and the Saint Elmo's fire caused by the uh, degaussing and yeah. the right atmospheric conditions, you got the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, wow. Wow. Unfortunately, we are right at the top of the hour. I, I'm glad we were able to get that yes. in. Jeez. Uh, thank to- you, Tony. Yeah, Tony, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, I mean, learned a lot. Um, and also, get, you know, everybody check that out. Uh, what are the websites again, Doug? Oh, yes. www.aparanormalhistory.com. Mm-hmm. And then savefortmifflin.org. Yeah, and then also if you want, as far as uh, MySpace is concerned, myspace.com slash savefortmifflin. Uh, a lot of cool stuff to check out on all those websites. And, Tony, we can't thank you enough, uh, again, for joining us. Yeah, guys, and if you want a copy of the book, send $22 of the fort, and I'll put one in the mail for you. Yeah. As a fundraiser, I'm not selling the fort no. the book anywhere but at the fort. Yeah, that's awesome. Sure, everybody check that out too. Uh, The book and everything that's out there right now. Tony, again, thank you. We do have to go to break though. What do we get going on after uh, after the break? Oh yeah, we've got Michael Trudeau coming up, uh, returning to Ghostly Talk to tell us about the Cashless Society. For more info, visit ghostlytalk.com. 
Interested in ghosts, UFOs? How about the occult? Are you psychic? Would you like to find out? Well, if you're intrigued by the world's curiosities and all that is paranormal, then Paralore.com is a place for you. Create your own profile, start a photo album, write a blog, or just hang out and watch countless hours worth of paranormal videos while chatting with other Paralore members. Who knows? You could win a prize or two if you're quick and brave enough. It's all here, and it's all free. Visit www.paralore.com and join today. Again, membership is free, and we know you won't be disappointed. Paralore.com. Unlock your mind.
you want to dive into the bizarre world of the paranormal? Do ghosts, UFOs, or the supernatural amaze you to the point of wanting to learn more? Then you need BVRN, the Black Vault Radio Network. With more than 750 hours of on-demand talk radio, syndicated from more than 35 shows, the Black Vault Radio Network is your one-stop shop for the world of the unexplained. Check us out and tune in 24 hours a day, www.blackvaultradio.com. Again, that's www.blackvaultradio.com. Wicked riff. Totally awesome. That band, we were just comments being made during the break, and I, I, yeah, I'm having fun with this. That was a band named Sacrilege from the UK, uh, album Turn Back Trilobite, 1988. From 1988? Yeah, they were nice yeah, enough to give us permission yeah. to use it, and yeah, everybody was making comments, you know, here in the studio, uh, you know, like, that sounds so 80s. I'm like, well, yeah, it was 80s. <laughs> yes, it was. Good stuff, though. Doug, what... It was interesting that we were yeah. talking about... I, I haven't mentioned in the first hour when, you know, when we just rap, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I haven't mentioned... We rap? About, yeah, we rap. Yo, yo, yo. No, not that kind of rap. We My have a, ra- a rapper. <laughs> I've heard you rap before. Oh, I, have, oh. I have the MP3. <laughs> you do not want me to play it on Ghost Cloud <laughs> out of my mind in Peru, Indiana. But it was the, the best. Sid Haig sitting next to us. God, when, that was a night. Anyways. When we rap uh, during the first <laughs> half hour, uh, we, I, I mentioned something about, you know, the banks got this, this you know, huge bailout thing. Oh, and then God. they're spending... That money, other than on parties and and raises and bonuses yeah, well, yeah, and stuff the good like that, stuff. they're also spending that money on hiring um, lobbyists. lobbyists to lobby the very Congress that gave them the money, which for for looser restrictions. Mm. How how much looser can the restrictions get? Yeah. I don't know. But so it, it's really interesting that I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And then our guest tonight is Michael Trudeau yeah. of www.colonialresources.com. Many of you may uh, remember him from, uh, what, it's been like four years, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Minus Michael. report, you know, and things like that. Exactly. Yeah, and it was really cool to talk to him then. It's even cooler to talk to him Oh, now. especially now. Michael Trudeau has been an economic advisor and monetary specialist for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. During those years, Michael has also began a career in t- talk radio broadcasting under the tutelage of CBS's own Charles Kralt. Kralt mm-hmm. is uh, Michael explains taught me many things about investigative journalism, but the biggest thing I learned working with Charles was how to talk to uh, or how to talk about complex issues in terms everyone can relate to and understand. Thank God for that. Thank gonna, uh, yeah, we'd be lost. <laughs> Michael began his career as a monetary specialist with one of the largest precious metal firms in the country. Mm-hmm. His field of expertise is the coming cashless society, which I see this and, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about it. We said expertise. Now, this is a solid, tangible thing we're talking about yes. also. 
I, I can see we that. always have the expert issue here, but we're talking about something a little different. Uh, here, quite so. different. Michael yeah. believes that we are headed for a cashless society perpetrated intentionally, and this is the, the scary part, perpetrated intentionally by the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. The website is www.colonialresources.com. Mm-hmm. Michael, welcome back to Ghostly Talk. Man, it sure is good to be back with you guys again. Fun <laughs> listening to the music, fun listening to the lead-ins and stuff. You guys are awesome. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. Well, that's a, that that's a compliment. That pass before well. the hour's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a compliment coming from you, Michael, because we know how many yes. years you've been in this, so that's a real compliment, so thank you thank so much. Thank you very much. The, the, the energy that's coming out of the, uh, the, the through the microphone on your end is just phenomenal, guys. Well, wow. we're we're this is uh, this is important stuff. This yeah. is important to us. This is thing, important to every single, uh, not only every single American, but everybody all around the the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the U.S. somehow is still one of them economic leaders. I don't know how, but <laughs> they still they haven't flubbed it up enough to you know be down at the bottom yet. But it so this affects everybody all over the world, and and uh, there's nothing scarier than when the government is intentionally perpetrating things and they're telling you things are absolutely wonderful yeah. and this is how it needs to go and you know that the that behind the scenes there's there's scheming and there's things going on. Well, it makes you not want to trust anybody. That's the reason I've been living in hysterics for the last 10 years, Michael. Exactly. <laughs> so we want to know what's well, going you know, on. Well, you don't have any option but to, uh, I guess, trust these guys because they're pretty much in charge. So it just comes down to... You know the realization that we are being, uh, I guess, led astray down a, down a very ugly path, and there's really not too many people who are even so much aware of it. You commented on a couple of things that that I want to touch on right yeah. off the bat. One is, is that you made the comment that it affects everybody, and it does, and that's correct globally as well. Mm-hmm. It really affects every single person that there is. Most of us in a negative fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, the introduction when you were talking about one of the things that Charles Corralt had uh, taught me, and it kind of hit me when you were saying that, was the regards about um, taking a complex issue but bringing it down to street level. Oh. And the point with that is, if you take just as an example the Federal Reserve, and you bring in and you start to talk with people about, you can go, you know, it depends on how far back you really want to go, but if you start bringing in the Knights Templar and you bring in all the details of Jekyll Island and how these guys got together, and do it, you can start to lose people pretty quick. It, it, it's interesting if you can bring it down to street level in a real quick snap and just say simply how many folks know that the Federal Reserve is no more federal than Federal Express. Oh. And that's what that's what he meant by bringing it down to the level where you go, huh, what do you mean it's not federal? Mm. Well, why would you think it's federal? Well, because the name's federal. Well, Federal Express has the same name as the government owned them based based on those standards. And it comes to the, the quick realization that, hey, wait a minute, maybe maybe they don't, but sure they do. Of course they do. It's the government. Yeah. And in fact, it's not. It's a private for-profit corporation, just like about any other for-profit corporation, save for one major difference, which is it operates here without paying any state or federal taxes. Oh, wonderful. I want that option. <laughs> and I, the, the, this, this company, by the way, is, is owned by stockholders. Now, I have talked with my brokers for many years to try to get me some of that stock, but so far it's just uh, none of the none of the, the the buys have gone through. Who the hell owns that stock? That's what I have Isn't to ask something? right now. Who? Yeah, yeah. I want to know whose name is on that. Who is a stockholder in the Federal Reserve? Well, I can tell you right off the bat that most likely the stockholders in the Federal Reserve are, are guys who own the member banks. So if we go to like the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, exactly. Yeah, that's your that's your group. And, and, you know, when we look at who it is that's really running the show, it really comes down to the adage of, hey, it's simple as follow the money. 
And if we've got this gang of thugs who can actually create money at their whim and their discretion and create that, uh, of course, value then associated with it, at that point it really is up to them. And that's why I said, you know, we're pretty much forced to trust them when we really know that there's no trust at all. That, that, but that's numbing. Well, go ahead. Doug. Yeah, in in su- such power. I mean, the, the, the thing is, all these people, with you see these people in the news who have these powerful jobs with lot you know they have money and cars and and whatever they want uh, and then they do something stupid and then they're finally caught right yeah, right and that's just it you're exactly correct it comes down to something that's almost ridiculous enough where you sit back go you mean to tell me this guy got off with 50 billion dollars and got tripped up because he bought the wrong shoelaces at the wrong store right yeah. you know, that that's what that stuff kind of comes down to i see what your point is and it's a very good one because it seems like with almost zero regulation already, when you can when you can see you know Madoff getting away with fifty billion dollars, and they, now like you pointed out, they're lobbying to relax the regulations. You start to really have, hey, where are we going with this? <laughs> then they already relaxed the regulations. That's my point. Isn't that the reason why right. the economy's in the toilet right now as it is? Is because they relaxed exactly. them already? Yeah. They, at first, they say things like, "Okay, you can loan to people who don't have the income to afford the five hundred thousand dollar house." Yeah. So they do, and then and then they wonder why they wonder why everything's tanking. So <laughs> you relax things and look what happened, and now they're lobbying for more relaxation. I have a feeling that what they mean is in other areas, like maybe not with the lenders themselves, reporting to the correct. government what they have to tell the government, what they have to make public. I should say, right, and it always comes to me down to um, a real basic um, warning that came out many many years ago. Of course, and that was when Thomas Jefferson stood up and said. I fear banks more than I fear standing armies. And he went on to further quote that the reason that he does is because he fears that the people will allow private banks to issue their currency, when in fact it's in the Constitution that says that we really don't do that. We have Congress issue the currency and set its value. And what we did in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act was we allowed these thugs into our country to begin doing it here um, instead of Congress. So when we did that, this is kind of what we opened up, and this is what Jefferson had made the warning of, is this. He said, if the American people ever allow private banks to issue their currency, and that's what the Federal Reserve is, that first by inflation and then by deflation, and that's exactly what we just witnessed with the influx of currency that hit the markets, the fresh cash infusion that hit all the banks, yeah. and then the lowering of interest rates so that those banks would push those, those loans out and make that interest money. And he warned about that specifically. He said that first by inflation and then by deflation, and of course that's the contraction part, all right. Mm-hmm. The banks and corporations that grow up around the people will deprive them of their property until they wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. And, you know, the first time I read that quote, it was really a very powerful statement to me. But what really happened was many years later, after I'd originally found that quote, was the realization of this guy hit a home run right out of the park. Because when we look at what we did, we did exactly that. We allowed the private bank to begin issuing our currency. And, of course, since they had the discretion to do so, they could simply pour it in and pull it back out, first inflation and then deflation. Mm -hmm. Those banks and corporations that grew up around us, and here we are, AIG, you got Lehman, you got um, the the automakers, you know, this is coming out. The banks and corporations that grew up around us will deprive us of our property. And this is where that contraction comes in, where, oh, you can't afford your house? Get out. And then, of course, it goes back to the bank, 
until we wake up homeless on the continent our fathers conquered, and this is the home run part. Today, less than 1% of the American population can stand up and say they own a home. Less than 1%. What? 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 Nailed it. Say that number again. Yep, it's less than 1%. And a lot of times when I've had talks and, and been in, in um, places where I'm giving group discussions or something, and I'll have hands go up immediately, well, I own a house, I own a house, you know, and I'll stop and say, well, let me ask you, you know, what's your mortgage payment real quick? And I'll just spit out a number without yeah. thinking. And yeah. I'll say, so you don't own your home, the bank does. And right. you just showed me that. Yeah. And it's immediate when you say it like that that everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's right, I got a bank payment I'm making, so he's right, I don't own a home. Well, yeah, I mean, we call, I mean, what people, what what people want to say is that, well, it's healthy debt. And and if you think about this, because you made this this statement there a minute ago, I think that was Doug that said, Mm -hmm. we're paying on a home. Well, you're correct, but think about this for a minute. I'm 47, and I've, you know, been here for a long enough period of time now to go, well, if we're all paying on homes and they've been doing this for 47 years, how come less than 1% have finally gotten the job done? (laughs) You know, I find that interesting, too. Yeah. Because I, so I think I can count on one hand the uh, the number of people that I know who actually own their home. Yeah, yeah, same here. Which is interesting, because I know a lot, 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 lot of people. It's frightening when you think about it, because then you start to realize who it is that owns these homes, and of course it's the banks. Who owns the banks? The member banks. Who owns the member banks? Federal Reserve and the central banks. Mm-hmm. Who owns all this? We're talking about a, a handful of about 12 families here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, again, I one hand I can literally count how many people... I know, but okay. Let me ask who, you this: I don't, How do okay. you get in on this? Well, no, no I hang mean, on, hang, on, hang on. No, really. I mean, if you well, want to throw get... all your morals out to the wind and and end up in hell, um, how do you get in well, on? Let's, let's just ask this question: Taking advantage of these people and why? It's the heck like would I you said, you know, you can get yourself on the list to buy stock, but so far they haven't called my broker yet. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, Michael, let me just ask you this, okay? And you know, this goes back. I've been, you know, we've been discussing this here. You know, lately on the show and stuff. You know, it's a paranormal show, so but it comes up. I mean, it's it's like it the ele- it's the elephant in the living room, man. You got to discuss it, right? Yeah. It's it's well, and it's pretty here. paranormal when you think about it because this thing goes way back. Like I said, you can take this as far back as you want to, and you can get into the discussion from the Knights Templar yeah. and how these guys have passed this secret down and the Masons and so on for generation after generation to a handful to the next handful to the next handful, and and yet somehow they've managed to keep this pretty much a secret from the globe outside of the yeah. fact that we all stand up and go, wait a minute, I don't own a home. Yeah, okay, well, my question to you is, like we just said, uh, both of us can count probably on one hand together how many people we know that actually yes. own their home. They, yes. they, they own nothing on there, but they still have to pay taxes on it. Well, yeah, <laughs> but that's different. Yeah. But, you know, but you, but you, no more mortgage payments. You own right. a place, right? You have my question in your name. Yeah, my question, though, is, you know, the people I know, one person in particular, uh... He basically went to work every day, worked himself very hard, made his payments, did his job, and made. He, he held up the agreement that he signed on paper. You know that he agreed to do this. Right? Thirty years He's, before yeah, that, thirty yes. or fifteen, whatever it was, fifteen. Um, that he was going to do this. He signed a contract. He honored that contract, paid the money back, and he's good to go now. Now. That's not that complicated, really, when it comes down to it. He didn't get in over his head. He knew what he could he could afford, and he just made his payments. And well, it's fine. also he did not lose his job during that time. These are different times. Yeah, you're it right. Ju- didn't it just go over twenty percent or something or twenty percent as far as unemployment? Unemployment. Is concerned? Nope, we're still in single digits. Oh, we're still in single. Oh, 
will be there. I think we that's Michigan. <laughs> well, maybe it was the Michigan went over twenty percent, but I, I don't know. But they, the, it, well, whatever my, it is, there's a lot, 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 a lot of people. Yeah, were let go. So then, what do that's, you do? You're right. You're right. Unless you did, you know. Unless well, you here's, here's where the problem is. This isn't. It, it's a. It's a little bit trickier than that. But here's here's what the I guess the the easy synopsis of it is. And that is, if you go backwards and you realize that in the last two years, you guys' food bill went up about 40%. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the fact that all of the things that we needed to survive on during that period of time went up probably between 20 and 40%, that means that a greater percentage of our income that we could possibly earn went into paying for those basic necessities to stay alive. Yeah. meant left less money for me then at the end of the day to make that mortgage payment. So, of course, then I have to get into a little bit more sketchier loans and sketchier loans. And, again, that's where these guys come to get you. Well, that's, I think that's what 80% of the problem here has been designer financing. That's what's done. They, they set that up so that that would happen for their gain, of course. You know, Michael, I've often wondered, what do the banks do with all these houses? I mean, why would you want a house, why would you want a house that you just threw someone out of? I mean, it, because they can then take that money and real, or take that house rather and re, re, you know, sell it again, if you will, and put the next guy in it under another mortgage. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of a revolving door is what's going on. Ah, it, because it completely revolves. You know, and that's really interesting because I, I ran into a, a similar situation. Uh, so, somebody that I know had uh, a car payment. And the car payment was, it was a ridiculous car payment. The car payment was, um. <laughs> I wonder who this is. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the, it turns out what he owed on, what he owed on the vehicle, right, was, uh, was less than what it was worth, right? Sure. So what happens is, if, if you happen to, in, anyway, here in Michigan, I think if you miss two payments, and, and you, even if you pay them one hour late or one day late, right? Yeah. If you miss two payments, the, the loan, uh, the the people who gave you the loan for the car have the option to take it away, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you look on on the paper and it says, "Oh, the value of this vehicle is X, and he owes you know he owes uh, less than that, mm-hmm. right?" Well, if we take the car, we get to sue him for what he owes, and right. we get to sell the car. Mm-hmm. And resell the car, correct. Which is amazing. They get like double the money. It's like it's super bang everything. for the buck, well, it, just it, because it, it, someone it, misses two payments. And one of the things that's really important of an aspect to look at is that this is, you know, although a lot of this seems to be somewhat paranormal, this is the part that isn't. Mm -hmm. When my mom, you know, I think it was probably just before I joined you guys' program the first time, because it was 2005, and she called me, and we had this conversation, you know, many years back, but we've... You know, she she's got interest in knowing that I've I've got interest in finances. She's uh, got some degrees in psychology, but mine is finance, and and so she calls me every once in a while, and she sees something that's of interest financially that she thinks I might have interest because it gives her an opportunity to call. I think uh, probably more than anything in mm-hmm. chat for that. And she called up and said, "Boy, did you see on Good Morning America that they said that the dollar had dropped twenty five percent in the last two years, or had lost twenty five percent in the last two years." And I said, no, I didn't catch that. I said, but um, that sounds about right. I think it's about 12% annual. And she says, yeah, boy, that's that's uh, pretty bad. And I said, yeah, it is. And it dawned on me. I asked the question. I said, why is that, Mom? And she says, well, 25%, that seems like an awful lot. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think so, too. Now, now let me ask you again, though, why is it bad? How How is it affecting us? How is it bad? Mm-hmm. And absolutely dumbfounded was she. And I literally broke it down to, well, do the math in percentages then and, and, and figure like this. If our family of five growing up was able to get by on four bags of groceries every month, if you bought them correctly or bought them carefully, and it was a $100 bill, so 25 bucks per bag of groceries. Yeah. And, and we're just getting by on that, but we're getting by okay. 
And then you lose 25% of the buying power of your money in a two-year period of time. And in just two years, you've lost one of the bags of groceries. How's the family of five doing? And what happens if it does it again? And it starts to, you know, and then it starts to really sink in with her about how bad this really has begun. And I said, because it doesn't affect poor people, rich people, bad guys, good guys. This is absolutely unbiased. It affects every single person there is equally in the fact that your dollars, however many you might have of them, now buy you 25% less products or services. And, you know, at that point, I said, now I got another question for you, Mom. You mentioned that they said that, that the dollar had lost 25% of its buying power. I said, where do you think it went? And again, there's just dead air. Kind of like here. Do you think we should look in the couch cushions? And, you know, so <laughs> a lot of us. And I think it went into says, space. Yeah. She says, okay, Smarty, where is it? And I said, well, I'll tell you. It's not due to cosmic forces of some foreign entity coming into nothing like that. All right. There is no such thing as economic evolution here that's occurring that's making the dollar just erode away. Mm. So it's coming down to an outright 100% theft on purpose. Mm. Period. And that's exactly what you have to come to as a conclusion. And then, from that point, you can step back and say, okay, what can we do about it? I mean, can we stop these guys? Mm. And it was unique for me because not too far back, I think maybe, oh, as a matter of fact, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was November 22nd because it was the anniversary of Kennedy's death. Mm -hmm. And it was symbolic because of the Federal Reserve and Kennedy's death coinciding with an executive order that he signed. But there was a group that got together called End the Fed. And they protested. They went to every single Federal Reserve building in the country, one of which happens to be in Minneapolis, which is not far from where I live. Uh-huh. And sure enough, here they were for the first time in my lifetime with placards standing up, and the Fed, the Fed is a fraud, and so on. And it was wonderful to see that because I've been kind of after this fight for a long time, and it's neat to see people standing up in front of that building with actual placards protesting the building <laughs> for the first time. So that was nice. And well, and there is actually some, some movements going forward here, so people kind of are starting to get it. And, of course, I think that... This, this meltdown that occurred is really helping because I think what happened here is these guys meant to do this. It just got out of control, and before they knew it, they'd lost control globally, and now they're really struggling to get it back. That's one thing they've forgotten to talk about. They've talked about bailouts. They've talked about, um, you know, uh, e- economic stimulus. They've talked about, uh, plan- you know, the, obviously with the new president, we've got a new uh, a new plan or whatever. And, well, yeah, the okay, $500 so tax refund we're t- they're talking about. Yeah, they've talked about recently. all these different things, but they forgot to talk about... Uh, looking into uh, the economic system itself, the mon- I'm sorry, the monetary system itself, starting with the Fed. Mm-hmm. And that's because they don't want to, because if they did that, then they would expose it for what it... I mean, you, you really only have two options to that. One is you expose it for what it is, or you go in and you say, I'm going to take a really good look at this, kind of like the Warren Commission. And you come back and say, well, we couldn't find anything wrong. And everybody goes, okay, what time's Monday Night Football on? We're good to go. And, and we all sit back down and go, everything's good again. Yeah. And it, it, it really isn't. The, the thing that is so shocking to me is that people just have the, the group that does know what's going on, the people who really do talk about this, and maybe they may not know exactly how it's happening, but they know there's something happening. They're not willing or not big enough yet to stand up and be audible. You can see every once in a while you'll see this group will put up some newspaper ads or this group will, you know, go and stand in front of the Federal Reserve buildings like they did. But, again, you know, some part of a solution is better than nothing as far as I'm concerned, so I like to see it. It just still seems to me that we've got an awful long way to go, and I'm not sure what kind of a catalyst it's really going to take. So, for me, 
it comes down to individuality. I am looking at this going, hey, man, I'm going to wake up as many people as I can to it and protect myself and my family the best way that I can. Which way is perfect? There isn't a perfect way, so I'll do it the best way again that I can. Let's find out. Well, we've talked How about the foundation this. of this here. When we get into this, I, we have to take a break. After real the quick, break, Michael. Yes. But uh, yeah, when we get back, in, when we get into, when we come back, yeah, we let's get into the let's start talking about this cashless society thing. It's just scary. Yeah, because it's been scary since we talked to you last time. And these are the people, the people we just talked about in the half hour, who are yeah. do who are who are pushing this forward. Mm-hmm. Wow, what does it mean to us? We'll find that uh, out. I, meanwhile, I want you to go to www.colonial resources.com enjoy the uh, independent music on the break and we'll be right back with Michael Trudeau miss a live broadcast feel free to download it direct from the on demand archives at ghostlytalk.com hey this is Lena and this is Paul with the SEPS Paranormal Podcast Check us out twice a month where we will be discussing our most recent paranormal investigations here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You can find us at www.sepsparanormal.podshow.com or go to our website, sepsparanormal.org. Or you can subscribe to iTunes. Just type in Seps Paranormal in the search field. Come by and check us out. Para X Radio and you. You, you, you. This is Johnny. Johnny is going to use his computer to contact the spirits. His sister Jenny is very curious and watches. Johnny just typed in www.para-x.com and is now communicating with the dead. You go, Johnny. Jenny is excited because now she can listen to shows like Night Watch with Todd Sheets, Caps Paranormal Radio with David and Tom, Paranormal Awareness with Bill Metz, Ghostology with Brian and Anna Marie, Leinster Paranormal Radio Show with Danny and Cormac, and The Ghost Divas Live. One day, the world will be a better place when we can all be like Johnny and Jenny and tune into Para-X Radio at www.para-x.com. All paranormal, all the time.
When you flashed, I saw what looked like a figure standing in the hall. Okay, this is green team. We're ready for EVP sweep. That is weird. These cameras don't do this. Water supposedly will come off and on in various rooms. It's on our EMF meter. Started to go haywire. You're listening to the number one source for paranormal evidence brought to you firsthand by real investigators in the field. No hoaxes, no disinformation. You're listening to The Ghost Project. I found myself face-to-face with someone or something that was attempting to play with my psyche as well as my physical being. How sure are you of that? I'm 100% sure of that. We're back to Ghostly Talk, sponsored by Joey's Exoplasm Cleaners. You bought it, we scarf it. Told you I'd make a liner out of that. It's good. I like it. Joey's Ectoplasm Cleaners. Uh, Dave Brockie's never short for any content for this show, as you heard last week. And I said that last week when we had him on. He's like, I got a commercial for you guys. I got a commercial for you guys. And he nailed that thing. And I said, okay, I'll I'll isolate it. We'll use it. So there we go. Congratulations, Dave. Thank you. In the last half hour, we set it up. We learned about the Fed and the, the, the... Essentially, just uh, the foundation. What we're talking a lot, yeah. not lies. The the fraud. misinformation, the fraud that that we're yeah. that we live with every day. Thinking the Fred is the, or the Fred. Who's Fred? The, the Fred the, is the, a fraud. The 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 I Fed. I am the Fred. The Fed is <laughs> I acting. I run the economy. No, the Fed is acting in your best interest. It's not. It's 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 a it's it's a business. Yeah. It's a business. So, so yeah, what's they're up not, with that? They're not a government agency that's there to, to operate. We you know from what I understand to operate. It's a for and help us. It, they're they're, so they're set, out to make a profit. We set that up, and what the, one of the things they're interested in doing is forming this cashless society. We're going to learn about that. Uh, the website is www.colonialresources.com, and the guest back again on Ghostly Talk yeah. is Michael Trudeau. Um, wow, it, it's just scaring me. I'm shaking in my boots. Well, you know, it's interesting because the first time I really started hammering on this thing was I had my own program, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And to getting ready for the show, going through news tidbits one day, I stumble onto this little tidbit about um, a, a RFID microchip that had been placed inside of infinity lipstick tubes and sold through Walmart in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We heard about that so, one. You know, it's one of those things where you sit back and you go, huh. That sticks out just, I, I don't even know where to go with that statement. That that little sentence, you could have gone in 50 different directions if it was Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. But I thought to myself, this has got to be interesting as to why you would want to track lipstick around town, so let's find out what the deal is. And I started delving and doing some research, and I found out that Walmart had been involved in um, tagging a lot of their products and had planned on going 100% RFID uh, through their um, systems within a couple of years and I thought boy there's something to this so I got on you know a little bit further into the research and at the same time I was on another pathway and that was doing research as a monetary specialist I'd come into the the um, omnibus drug smuggling act and started researching this know your customer rules and all that business and as to what might be on the sidebar there mm-hmm. and it turned out not to be quite as innocuous as, as they perpetrated which is hey we're trying to stop money launderers and drug smugglers and, and counterfeiters 
and they eventually got to what we're going to have to do. Because that's the first to... thing they buy, Michael, is lipstick. Yeah, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that square? Yeah. And so they, they, they start off with the, well, we got to stop these counterfeiters, so we're going to change the, the currency, physically change the currency, put some security features on it, some microprints, some water uh, marks, and so on. And they did that, the metal strip and the currency, yeah. you hold it up and see it now. Mm-hmm. And they did that. And, of course, you know, it's a great expense to the nation to revamp the entire currency supply, but obviously if the counterfeiters are there, we've we got to do we got to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we move on, and apparently it didn't work. And how we know it didn't work is because they came out and said it didn't work, and now we've got to change the currency again, and now they're coming out with all the pretty colored bills. Oh, God. And you start to, start, you know, well, well, wait a minute now. Okay, what's what's the scoop here? You've revamped the nation's currency supply twice within a 10-year period of time with the guise of we've got to catch these nasty, evil-doing counterfeiters. Mm-hmm. And in all this time, here we are sometime later, I'm looking at this going, how come I haven't seen any counterfeiters paraded across the nightly news screen yet? Uh, instead, it's always... Oh, he cut a couple of college kids printing bogus twenties on the on the school printer buying beer. Yeah, not you know major counterfeiting rings that would, you know, I, I guess, justify changing the nation's currency supply twice in a decade. It has so been I, a long time since I had a nice counterfeiting ring. You know, <laughs> so if I start I, wondering what's going on. You know, why why the the song and dance here and changing all the currencies around. And, of course, it comes down to there's always a reason for it. They're, they're certainly not doing it because they want to, you know, put artists to work with new designs for currency. And what it really came down to is these guys are conditioning us into believing that this is a problem that's so severe that they're going to have to take currency out of it altogether in physical form and put make it electronic. Yeah. And, you know, once I started to do the research on that, bang, I started to connect up with the RFID microchip business of everything being microchipped to move it around the country and be able to track it. Um, so you could stock it, I guess, and, you know, when it's running out at Walmart, we've got the truck at Walmart in the back loading it back up again. Uh-huh. It, it looks all like, well, this, this could all be, you know, a pretty functional thing, and it looks like they're, they're doing the right thing for all the right reasons until you connect all the dots and realize, wait a minute, that's not what's going on at all here. These guys are taking cash out of the system for a very nefarious reason, and that is so they can track every single purchase that we make and be in control of it 100%. And when I started hitting the circuit with that, which was in 2005, doing you guys' show, I did Coast to Coast, Uh bunches of shows, and said, this is the deal. They're coming up, they're testing these smart cards, these RFID microchip smart cards in small hamlets outside of this country right now. Mm-hmm. And they're offering the little citizens of the Hamlet X, here's the deal, you use this card instead of money, and we're going to give you a 20% off on all your purchases or 10% off on all your purchases. So, of course, everybody's signed right up on board. Yeah. And they're working out the glitches. And I said they're going to have this system in place within two years' time. Just judging by how fast they were progressing, I figured we had about two years. A year later, they announced the Chase Blink card was being released up in New York City. And it was going to be released to three-quarters of a million New Yorkers and an equal pile of Philadelphians, and that's how it was to begin. And then since then, we've seen the Chase MasterCard, the, or the, the um, MasterCard PayPass, rather. Visa's got their version. Everybody's coming out with these new RFID smart cards now. And what, how you know this, of course, is by seeing the television commercials. They show you where, I think the first one I caught was a marathon runner in New York, and he's running along, and he runs in and, and gets a bunch of drinks and so on and runs right back out without missing his spot in the marathon simply by waving his card by the monitor. Can, and yeah. that was the very first commercial I saw, but I've seen bunches since then. 
And the one thing that we're really moving into now, not just that see this thing exists, that was the first round, but now we're moving into the conditioning phase of now if you're not using this, you are a scourge yeah. on the rest of us. Michael, 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 I have said the same thing to you, Doug. I don't know if I said yeah. it on the air here. Yeah, but you did. I have been noticing this, and I said this 10 years ago. Ten years ago, the tables were turned. You remember this? If you were in line at the grocery store, right? Uh, you got your checkbook, you got your cash, right? This ten, at least, yeah, ten years ago at least, right? This is it's not that long ago, but long enough. Um, and there'd always be that one person that pulled out their credit card, right? Yep. And you go, oh Jesus, this guy's got to run his. Now, of course, back then they were not dial up, so it was take, it would take forever to run the thing, you know. But you're like, oh God, this guy's going to spend all day long. Why couldn't, take he, half an hour. why couldn't he just write a check like a normal person would? <laughs> you know what's going on now? Now I have watched in in a decade that completely turn around. I saw I saw another commercial, Michael. I'll come. I'll I'll go back and forth with you on this. Uh, my favorite one is that you have like the the conveyor thing, the the consumer conveyor belt going yeah, right, walking through line. Look how efficient we are. We're a, we're efficient little consumers that can go back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I'm pulling a Doug and making everything move. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but uh, you know we're efficient consumers. We make everything and we're moving right down and the then line. All right? of a sudden, somebody pulls a checkout <laughs> or, 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 a, or a twenty dollar bill. Oh and then, my yeah. god! It's, it's a it's like a big. The sky the is falling. It well, makes but, things less brighter too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, that's oh, yeah. the key, and that's what I was just going to say, because, again, I mentioned my mom's in, in, in the psychology field, so that's one of the things I've got yeah. a lot of experience in is that, and it's, it's something that I caught right away, which is this conditioning is not just innocuous marketing here. It is here. propaganda, this is straight serious up. serious psychological conditioning when yeah. they show, and you hit it, which is the music's all wonderful and light and happy, and there's all, everything's colorful, and everybody's smiling, and they've got wonderful clothing and bonnets on, and they're all doing their business at the flower shop, and then all of a sudden out comes, like you mentioned, the $20 bill, and bang, black and white. They go right down to the music getting slower and slower or turning icky, and then the next thing, everybody's got scowls on their faces, and they're looking at you like, see what you did? And, man, I'm telling you now, that even if that doesn't happen to you when you walk into the store and pull out that cash... The the subconscious has picked that up and it's burned it in, and now you're walking through there and you get an uneasy feeling about every part of that transaction, unless you're doing it the easy way with the card like everybody else was doing. Well, no, they they what they do now still in order to track you, and this is another thing everybody knows. The people in this studio know how cranky I get when I oh, go. Oh, I do too. And I go to a place and I pull out cash out of my American money out of my wallet to buy a product, and they go, can I get your name, please, and your address? Why the hell do you need my that information from me? Right. What, are it's you ca- a book? It's cash. <laughs> it's cash. Check it out. Put it under the light. Get the strip. Right. Fine, and, whatever. And, you know, th- th- this is coming to a point very soon now where the last step will be, gee, it, it ain't working. We couldn't get this thing covered, boys, so here's what's happening. Iran is flooding America with currency that they're they're making over there in Iran, and it's bogus, and, boy, they're just they're wiping us out economically, and look at how bad things are economically now. We can't have it, so here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, America as a society is going to be right on board with it, man. They're not going to back down and argue one bit. They're going to go, well, we can't let Iran do that. Yeah, well, of course, and the, the patriotism comes in, and mm-hmm. you know we all want to look out for ourselves and our country. So that's the conditioning on that too. Not that I don't right. love They'll this tell country. Us that the terrorist act that that is unlike the New York buildings that went down. They'll say this one is much more subtle, but much more severe. Mm-hmm. The currency coming in. So at that point, they're going to announce we're going to have to go cashless, and they've already got the systems are completely set up for it. You can go into any store you want to anywhere in America, and they've got systems set up to use card only. 
um, monitors, they are RFID um, readers that they'll just scan your card, bing, pull the money right out of your account, bing, put it right into the account of the seller, and it's a done deal. Yeah, yeah. It's worse because one of the things, and I don't know if I covered this the last time we were with you guys, but there is, and here comes in here, here in comes the paranormal for you. <laughs> <laughs> but they patented back in 1999 the United States Patent Office, and you can go into Google and check this out. Yeah. They patented a barcode tattoo. So if you want to go to Google, just type in barcode tattoo, and the uh-huh. rest will be done for you. It's going to take you right to the U.S. patent site. It will give you the patent number, which is 578 million something. But 578 is what sticks in my mind as far as the first numbers for it. And it's going to tell you, and, and the verbiage is very exact. It says, a barcode tattoo that will be placed on the back of your right hand and used to consummate a sale, deducting the amount from the buyer or from the buyer's account and depositing it into the seller's account. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, because it's a barcode tattoo, not just any marker tattoo, but a barcode, you will be able to use with the same exact system that they've got in place in every store right now. My. And that has already been patented. So again, when we talk about the stuff that gets out there on the fringe a little bit, and people go, "Oh, come on, you're talking," hey, go there. Look it up yourself. This is all easy for me to say this stuff, but you can go because of the wonderful existence of the Internet. You can go to Google and educate yourself. You can type in the questions, uh-huh. who owns the Fed? You can type in barcode tattoo. Those two will really get it going for you, but I'll give you a really fun one mm-hmm. if you want to spend some time late at night not being able to sleep, and that's type in <laughs> this executive order number. The number is 11,110. That's the executive order that Kennedy signed 40 years ago that cost him his life. Wow. Executive, executive order, order yeah, 11,110. JFK. That's the executive order that he signed that put the Federal Reserve out of business. The executive order the, allows the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury to issue $4.29 billion in silver certificates against silver bullion based on authority delegated by the President to the Secretary under the Thomas Amendment to the Agricultural Adjustment Act. Well, that uh, made me lost, because that's Wikipedia. <laughs> well, what? no, you're exactly right. And what he did was he took the power from the Federal Reserve to create money in America and loan it to the government and its citizens at interest and mm-hmm. put it back in the Treasury based on the amount of gold and silver held there, as was stated in the Constitution. But the problem was, at that time, there were 300 members in the Federal Reserve, and they were splitting between themselves annually under the table, tax-free, a trillion dollars. And those are, you think about the math here, 1960s dollars, one trillion split between 300 people every year. And he took that from them, and five months later, he was shot dead in Dallas. And without another executive order, those silver certificates you just mentioned went out of circulation, and Federal Reserve notes came right back in like nothing had ever happened. Yeah. Hence another, oh, yeah. another nail in the coffin for JFK. <laughs> so I mean, I'll tell you, again, this is, it's easy for me to say all this. I could be making it all up, but the research I've done is very simple. It shows it, and everybody can do the same research. You just have to know what path to be on, uh-huh. and it takes a while to do that, as you guys, of course, are, as researchers yourself certainly know. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of saying, hey, for yourselves, for all the listeners out there, go right on the Google and type in or Yahoo, who owns the Fed, barcode tattoo, and Executive Order 11,110 and do the research for yourselves. And then after that, you can start realizing how bad it is and start to begin with, hey, what do I do about this? Yeah. I don't think we can take down you know, an organization as big as this because it's pretty big. It's global. We're moving into a global depression that's going to last probably 8 to 10 years mm-hmm. before we see any positive sustained growth again. And that's because they've, con- they've, they've worked this out so that they could step in, take our wealth again, take the property, 
And it's a cyclical thing. They can't just continually move forward, upward. They just continually up and down, up and down. That's why Jefferson said first by inflation, then deflation, then inflation, then deflation. And they simply keep that ebb and flow going. Well, yeah, it keeps you in a constant state of paranoia, too, it sounds sure. like. I mean, and believe me, I think there's no people that in this room that know that feeling. I mean, we're, we're all, it, I think everybody's feeling that now. I mean, Well, and I'll tell you, you can see where the money's going to go, how they're going to get their money. Uh, we had this massive meltdown, and everybody's houses went bye-bye. All the stock market stock, everybody lost their portfolios, their IRAs, their 401ks, everybody got wiped out, down 40 to 70%, depending on who you're going to talk to in a day. Yep. And then, oh, we've got to fix it, so here comes our stimulus package. Well, what is it? Well, we're going to create money so we can fix this. We've got to get these banks loaning money again. So what will we do? Yeah. $7.4 trillion infusion. And mark my words on this, as that $7.4 trillion begins to work in this economy now, that, that bailout package you heard of, which was the $700 billion, that's nothing. This is $7.4 trillion when it's over. Yeah. That is going to absolutely devastate the currency's buying power. So that last little bit is where they're going to kick us and say, hey, currency's dead. It's being, it's being created in Iran and flooded into America. We're going cashless. Um, and at that point, folks are going to either be forced into every single transaction being tracked by the government or going underground with a lot of the transactions they do and doing it barter style like we used to. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to do. It's how ghostly yeah. talk runs. Barter. Yeah, <laughs> we barter everything well, you here. See it, and it's everywhere. You see it all the time anywhere, but anyway, but now as this slides into this, you know, more, much more I guess, deepening depression, we're seeing it much more prevalent. We're starting to see articles being written about it. Mm-hmm. And you're saying depression also. It's no not question. Recession. Not well, recession. Now, the difference is because you've got inflation or you've got deflation. And if we're moving into a depression, you'll see a deflationary spiral, and that's what we're seeing now. As everybody gets laid off, they can't afford to buy things. And, of course, as they can't buy things, the people that manufacture them have to bring the prices on them down so that what few they do sell, they make less money on, uh-huh. and they have to lay off more people, and they can't buy things, and it begins to feed on itself. Mm-hmm. So as that happens... Everything has to come down in price, and no one can make any money off of anything that they have, and we're seeing it now. Go and take a look at what a TV set is today compared to what it was two years ago, and you'll be floored. Because oh, I know. The price is right, and that's happening because we're well, moving into this deflationary spiral caused by this unemployment, and that's going to continue to get worse. That's why I said you'll see that double-digit employment. Believe me, it's right around the corner, and that, of course, exacerbates this problem and keeps it rolling, and these guys just keep making it and keep making it and keep making it. The only way you can protect yourself now is to take whatever wealth you've got and protect it in some form of a hard asset, whether it be gold, silver, mm-hmm. something like land, something that's tangible, that can't be taken, that is really going to hold its value. If you look backwards to what happened starting when this all began, um, roughly about when we got hit in, in 2001, the World Trade Center attack, you can look from that point forward and say that gold on average has risen 30% every single year since. Do you think that that was what started this whole... Well, probably that's a that's a dumb question, I guess. As far as nine eleven is concerned, I mean, this was catastrophic. We know it was the most re- insane thing I know I've ever seen in my lifetime. Surely, um, and we've heard, we've talked to a lot of people on this show about the effect that that particular incident had. And I mean, I think it's I'm no doubt in my mind, strange things are going on on this planet, whether they're with the government or whether they're with you know the other worldly things that happen. It's how they're related, and I'm sure well, you're right. Yeah. And, and and one thing I've always said is this: listen. If the event is accurate, okay, so in other words, the, the World Trade Centers really did come down and 3,000 people died, we know that part. Yeah. The economy's really crashing like this and so on. 
well, who's really pulling the strings and all and, and so on? We can sit and debate because, of course, I've done the same thing with all the guys who have got their various conspiracies, and I've got my own, my yeah. own beliefs there. But the point being is that we, we're going to debate this part back and forth, but the fact is the 3,000 people still died. So you want to debate that stuff after the fact, not during while it's going on. Right now, while it's going on, you'd rather evacuate the 3,000 people out of the building as fast as you can before the thing actually comes down. Absolutely. So for me, it's the same thing. I'm trying to evacuate as many people out of that system as humanly possible before that system comes crashing down and it's too late to get out of the building. And it's really interesting because you're saying, and, and I and I believe this, gold. buy gold. gold. Because my, my grandmother metal. said Precious that, metal. my father said that. Everybody yeah. tells me, you know, you want to buy gold well, and silver. And, and the track record is, is, is un- infallible. It's got a 5,000-year track record of being able to maintain its buying power. So getting back to the conspiracy part, let's assume that's what it is. And, we've, and, and what I'm telling you is correct, that there's an evil empire at work here. Well, that empire will eventually die like every other empire on this planet has. For instance, the Romans are no longer in charge, but we're still spending their gold coins. So it's a matter of if you're going to transfer wealth from one regime or one empire to the next, you can only do it by doing it with gold because they'll confiscate the land. They can take the land and say, now now it's owned by King so-and-so. And they might say the same thing about gold, but the difference is, is that man, I can hide my gold. It's going to be pretty tough to hide that land. Well, that right, and right. well, even property, they'll they'll confiscate property too. I mean, and you can't not, hide it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's and, not, not land property, but like you know, your house, obviously. They can oh, absolutely. Yeah. But at least if I can take my gold and get away, I've got my value. I've got my wealth with me. Yeah, where it, whatever country that, you go to, the gold is worth. Well, more. and irrelevant to that, it's it's transferable globally. So, for instance, if we look at the price of gold today, at close to whatever it is, must be nine hundred now, or darn close to it, close at nine hundred on Friday, mm-hmm. is. You've got the same gold that's selling over in England at $1,100 in their currency. Right. And the difference is the currency separation, but the buying power of the gold is identical. I can take my gold over to England by the same quality suit that I can here mm. for now. And that's the aspect that will always transfer from one place to the next and through time. That ounce of gold today, which is a $20 gold piece, a one-ounce gold piece, back in the 1800s bought you $20 in merchandise. Well, that was a good quality suit of clothing for 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. Today, that ounce of gold for 900 will still buy me the suit of clothing. A $20 bill back then would have done the same thing. Today, it won't. So it's uh, that aspect of losing absolutely. the buying power being stolen, and they can't take it from the gold. They can't take it from so gold. So that's why you use that. Or to barter with it. I mean, you know, trade it back and forth. If, you, if nobody will accept a paper dollar anymore from you for goods and services, They'll you better gold. have something else that they need. Yeah. Or you better have another medium of exchange that's readily acceptable, like gold or silver. Exactly. Unfortunately, God. We <laughs> are talking about this. And you know, somebody, I, somebody's listening because I hear commercials now all the time. People want to buy your gold. Oh, Cash yeah. now for gold. Cash so now someone, for gold. Bring, someone in, bring in your jewelry. Your bring gold. in your wedding well, band. You, bring that stuff is becoming fought after now because it's really in short supply. All of the mints are suspending sales. The governments do not want to let it go. I'll yeah. tell you what, guys, if I can, I'm going to offer an article that I wrote on barter economics and the coming cashless society. Sure. If anybody wants it for free, they can call and we'll send it to them. The number to call is 800 Mm-hmm. Zero four two. You know what, Michael? You dropped out. You you told you you dropped out Sorry. for a second. What was the number again? It's one eight hundred six eight five four zero four two. Perfect. Excellent. Check that out. Call into that if you want this article. And we'll just send it out to anybody who wants it for free. No, no, you, nobody's going to call you and hassle you about nothing to buy anything or anything like that. Just educate yourselves the best way you can. I've written some stuff that I can send you guys free of charge. We'll help that way. 
Thank you, Michael. Wow, thank you, Michael. Hang, hang tight on for the line. Yeah, hang on the line. Second. Don't leave us just sure. yet. Hang tight for one the second. The website is com. That was Michael Man. Trudeau. The Cashless Society, the Fed, the... Uh, Sorry, we didn't talk about... Think about. Yeah, we didn't talk about ghost stories here, but this but show's more we than need, that, We know. need people to think and think on their own, and Michael is saying, you know, yeah. you, you, can, you can read these things, you can and look I, at them, And we've watched Google since them. 2005. Go back to 2005. Folks. Listen to the archive. Listen to the archive of that, and this... Man, it's, it's I got to thank Michael Trudeau. I have to thank uh, Tony Saletti uh, of aparanormalhistory.com for coming on the show as well. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening and uh, putting up with us for the past three hours. Of course, next week, remember... We're going into February. Yeah, no it, show next, next week. Next week is Super Bowl uh, Sunday. Everybody have a great... I, well, I'm proud to say time. that we are officially piercing into our, our eighth year of broadcasting. Also. Starting next week. News coming up on... Yeah, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, you were out, Michael. Sorry. <laughs> Michael said congratulations. Thank you. thank you, though, Michael. And uh, yeah, man, we'll let you know about all the details on that. I don't know what we're going to do just yet. So but, until uh, two weeks from now, uh, have a ha- thank everybody and have a great Super Bowl Sunday next week. Uh, I'm, this has been Ghostly Talk. I'm Doc. I'm Scott L. And I'm Bonnie. We'll Yay. See, yeah, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Ghostly Talk! <laughs> You have been listening to Ghostly Talk Paranormal Talk Radio. The Ghostly Talk audio program is distributed for free under the open content license. Please share with all your friends and support independent media. 